No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. on this Monday night edition, this partner wave edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. Thank you for sharing the show out if you did. If you didn't, that's okay. I understand completely. I wouldn't either. Oh, you have to now because we got the big, we got the approval. We got the, we got the partnership, man. We got it, baby. <laughs> I didn't even know. Somebody, I think it was Teddy Spaghetti who noticed first in the chat. He's like, you got it, you got it. And I'm looking around going, got what? What have I got here? We made it. And it's thanks to you. Uh, It's thanks to all of you for following. It's thanks to you for sharing the show out. It's thanks to you for contributing in the chat. Thanks to you for getting us over a thousand DLive followers. I put the application in and it worked. I guess we fooled them. (laughs) Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Yeah, now we can have stickers. Now we can do all kinds of fun shit here on the uh, official Wine and Crackers broadcast here on DLive, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's recommended drink, as always, cheap box wine. Tonight's recommended snack, bland brand no-name crackers. Uh, I hope you had a lovely weekend, because I certainly did. Did you all enjoy my chili? I, I, I enjoyed the chili, I've got to tell you. And, you know, if I could get hold of Jack Scalfani, I'd wring his neck. No, I wouldn't. But that's how you cook a chili, Jack. That's how you put a chili together, my man. And you got to stand that spoon up in it. If you can't stand the spoon up in the chili pot, it ain't fucking chili, bro. That's the way it works. So, Jack, much to learn by these internet chef types. I only know Jack Scalfani, and I want to say a big thanks to uh, Mersh from Nightwave Radio, who Ring has been promoting the show. Thank you so cheese, much, Mersh. Man. Thank you for the uh, sub, Natalie Joe. A big thank you to uh, Mersh from Nightwave Radio, who will be on later tonight at 10pm. Uh, Mersh has been hosting the stream. He gave us a shout-out on ROTC. Thanks to both the ROTC boys um, for, you know, helping us along. Uh, the guy gets a lot of shit from people, but if I ever have to um, ask a guy something, he's always nice. You know, if I've got, uh, you know, I need to ask him something or whatever, I just DM the guy fucking responds. Uh, you know, the very cordial guy. So I, I think the the idea that people have of Mersh like the the host is probably a little bit different to, um, you know, if you have any kind of like personal interaction. I guess he's just like any other New Yorker. That being, if you're not a if you're not a prick when you first talk to the guy, he's probably going to be okay. But if you come up and you know you're a smartass, you give him a bit of lip, a bit of cheek. And you try to slap the guy first thing straight off, the, straight out of the gate, then he's probably going to slap you back twice as hard. So, <laughs> no, big shout out, thanks to the ROTC guys, but thanks, uh, thanks to uh, at real person PLTCS, my old comrade from Trust Verify, man. sharing the links out. Ah, uh, thank you so much to everyone. So I'm pumped. I'm very happy. 
Because I didn't think we'd make partner. I didn't think we'd get it, man. Honestly. <laughs> I can tell you something funny. So, um, I, I, you know, it's it's good. Like, if you want to, it's it's good to share out the DLive links. And it's good to host, like, other streams and stuff. It shows that, you know, you're you're watching DLive. You're engaged in the community and stuff. So, uh, a couple of weeks. I think it was last Ring week. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the subs, everyone. I think it was last week. I thought, oh. I just happened to be still awake when Mersh came on. And so I thought, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll host Nightwave on my channel because you can host other people's channels on your channel and it feeds their stream into your stream. Why sense with a diamond? <laughs> I guess you're not edgy enough. <laughs> True. I'm very milk toast. So I thought, you know what? Uh, Mersh has uh, hosted my stream a couple of times on his channel. I'll return the favor. I'm here. I can do it right now. Bang, bang, bang. So I hosted the stream and then I walked away and went to bed. And I got to bed just in time, put my headphones in, just in time to hear Mersh <laughs> say, I'm about to tell Trip, who's like the, one of the guys at D-Line, I'm about to tell Trip to go fuck himself. And I laughed my ass off. <laughs> like, that'd be right. <laughs> so um, if you could do it, because I know Mersh has been trying to get partner on D-Live for some time. Uh, as a partner myself, I can guarantee I give the Boogie Bumper seal of approval to one of my fellow streamers here on DLive. You won't regret it. So 10 p.m. tonight, uh, support the shows that support us, ladies and gentlemen. And be there, share that shit out, get in the chat room, be a part of the community, and help Mersh get over the line to become a partner here on DLive, ladies and gentlemen, to become one of us. <laughs> to become one of the cool kids. Oh, yeah. So, very pumped. Uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I'm also pumped because in the second half of the show, we're going to have a special guest, uh, a guy that I'm very fond of. Major Tom, host of The Big Empty on Sunday nights. He is the uh, master of manipulation, the doyen of destruction, the king of chaos, <laughs> the dean of depression. And we're going to be bringing him on in the second half of the show to break down society's breakdown. We're going to be boogieing all over the boogaloo. So we're, we're bringing in uh, Major Tom in the second half of the show just after the ad break, which should be fun. We're going to go over a couple of videos and we're going to get his thoughts. He's a guy who's got experience. He was in law enforcement, believe it or not. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to speaking with him about what the hell is going on over there. What the hell is going on? But we do have a couple of things to get to before that, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you, the master shoegazer. <laughs> So thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And, of course, if you'd like to congratulate us for making partner, then you can do so by following us on Twitter at boogiebumper. Yes, Kitty B in the chat. Stickers, longer replay saves. So now the replays will stay up for a month. Uh, we can do reruns. So, you know, if you miss the show, it can be a replay playing and all, all sorts of fancy new toys for me to sink my teeth into when we're done today. So, yeah, the, yeah, Daz, which Daz is now the autonomous zone run by Royce Lopez. <laughs> but I just, I, I need to be clear here. Before there was Daz, before there was Chaz, there was Boogie Stan, you'll remember. Now, we're not an autonomous zone. We go one step beyond at Boogie Stan. We're a micro-nation. Micro-nations are real, in theory. And we did, remember, we did the video of uh, Sealand, and the other micro nations. So Boogie Stan was the first cab off the rack. We were the first one out of the trench over the barbed wire. 
we cleared the path for all the rest of the freedom fighters from Daz and Chaz and any other as that you might want to add to the list later on. Boogie Stan did it first. The mon- but we're a monarchy, you see. I am King Boogie. We don't do, like, even though I'm a libertarian in real life, in the nation of Boogie Stan, I rule with an iron fist. It's just one big car park. <laughs> it's one big parking lot in Boogie Stan. So thank you for joining us. If you'd like to leave a tip for tonight's show, the preferred method is, of course, head to dlive.tv slash boogiebumper, or you can hit that link down below, streamlabs.com slash boogiebumper. Let's get into this, shall we, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, I want to open the account with this article that I came across over the weekend, and a couple of people sent it to me. And this should, this probably will send a chill down your spine for all the wrong reasons. Thank you for joining us on the Monday night edition of the show. We've been speaking about overreach. Uh, We've been speaking about surveillance. We've been speaking about, you know, the path that we're headed on in the so-called free world. Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy? There's a Cartnart sticker in here. See, we've got Cartnart stickers. That has to be Teddy's handiwork. That's fantastic. God bless those Cartnarks. Came across this article. It's a long one. And it will be in the show notes like everything else we refer to here on the show today. But there's a couple of times... Like, I, you know, I've spoken about this before. When you give up hope, it's actually a very liberating feeling. And I think this is something myself and our second uh, hour guest, Major Tom, will agree on. I see him in the chat. Everybody give Major Tom a follow, host of The Big Empty, here on DLive Sundays at midday. I think this is something that we can agree on. Hey! Smokey Bear with a diamond says the Boogie Bison Burger. Uh, is that a sandwich to you, though? <laughs> the burger sandwich? Whatever you strange American language. <laughs> Indeed. Winning TV with a diamond. Thank you for joining us, sir. Follow Winning TV also, by the way. DLive.tv slash Winning TV. The monarchy of Boogie Stan, the kingdom of Boogie Stan. Let's call it the kingdom of Boogie Stan. Uh, will be loose cart free. Absolutely. Absolutely. Roaming hit squads in the parking lots of Boogie Stan, ladies and gentlemen. So I think this is something myself and Major Tom agree on, is that we've essentially given up hope that we can change the world, like that we can win, that one day uh, the intelligent people, the people with common sense, the people who are freedom-minded will come back and reign supreme. Like our freedom days are done, essentially. So rather than waste valuable energy fighting a losing battle delaying the inevitable uh it's our job to be the obituary writers for western civilization and essentially you know i guess you would t- turn it into a tragic comedy like when a clown dies we're just laughing as as the world goes up in flames because we've realized that there's nothing we can do about it. and we're both very happy well-adjusted people because of it when you have hope that you can change the world that you can Uh, wake people up that you can change the direction that everything's going in when you hold on to that hope you become a very bitter person a very angry person you see the world is a confusing place to you you don't understand why nobody else agrees with you once you let go of that hope things become a hell of a lot easier 
we used to talk about things like the surveillance state and the overreach of the authorities, the death of freedom in abstract terms, but it's now becoming so pronounced that it's just filtering through to average everyday people in average everyday situations. Have a look at this article. What it's like to get doxxed for taking a bike ride. By the standards of the pandemic, Thursday has been a normal day for Peter Weinberg, a 49-year-old finance marketing executive. He worked from his home in Bethesda, Maryland, right outside the District of Columbia, staying busy with Zoom meetings and the new rituals of our socially isolated world. Then around 10pm, he received an irate message on LinkedIn from somebody he didn't know. We're Karenizing. We're deputizing Karens every day. He brushed it off thinking it was probably just spam. Then he got another and another. The third message was particularly strange as it mentioned something about the cops coming to find him. Perplexed, he watched as the messages continued to pile up. They were all so similar, angry, threatening, accusatory. His profile views suddenly soared into the thousands. He began to panic. He decided to check Twitter. Although he had had an account for more than a decade, Weinberg didn't use the social platform very much. He mostly followed mainstream news outlets, politicians from across the ideological spectrum, entrepreneurs and financial analysts. He had what you might call a low engagement, but not anymore. In his mentions, disaster was rapidly unfolding. People accused him of assaulting a child, of being a racist. They shared a selfie he'd taken in sunglasses and his bike helmet and analysed it alongside blurry images of another man in sunglasses and a bike helmet. The other guy had been captured on video hitting children and ramming his bike into an adult after becoming enraged that they were posting flyers around the Capitol Crescent Trail in support of George Floyd, the unarmed black man we know the story. Weinberg hadn't seen the viral story about the trail where he regularly biked. He didn't know that for several days the video had circulated online as law enforcement crowdsourced help in locating the suspect. Now that he had seen it, he didn't think he looked anything like this guy. He didn't understand why anyone thought it was him. Listen to some of these messages this guy got. You assaulted a little girl and other innocents because of your political beliefs. Hey, so are you the piece of shit who assaulted the child in Maryland today on the bike trail? Hey, you racist bitch, we're coming for you. You deserve to pay. You're going down, you disgusting piece of shit. Nice job assaulting a small child today. You need to be fired from your job immediately, you ugly racist bitch. <laughs> Just a guy who took a ride on a push bike. Now you might think, well, this is mistaken identity. It can happen sometimes. Sometimes they put the wrong photo up of somebody. Sometimes they get the wrong guy. It happens. Oh, look at me. Oh, why sense it with the tip? Again. As the Minister of Fun for the Great Kingdom of When were you elected Minister of Fun? A heartfelt congratulations to you, our dear leader, for your rising status in the deep recesses of the dark web. <laughs> You're going places, kid. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kimbo, with the diamond. We're going places. I don't, I'm not sure about that. What'd she send us here? Well, we're moving on now. Ah. Love this kind of music. Moving on up to the side. We finally got a piece of the pie. 
Took a whole lot of truth. Thank you for the donation, Kimmy. I don't know if you've been elected Minister of Fun yet. Now that we have won the election, now that we've won partnership, uh, I'm going to have to reconsider all of my cabinet appointments. Just so you know. Uh, I'm going to take a leaf out of Donald Trump's book. You know, I'm going to say a whole bunch of things to win the election. And then I'm going to do whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you get what you voted for, kind of. In theory. So sometimes they get the wrong guy, but this is next level. Have a listen to this, how they found this guy. But the Park Police had made an error. Correction, the incident occurred yesterday morning, they wrote in a follow-up tweet. As with most such clarifications, it had only a fraction of the reach a mere 2,000 times. The original tweet was shared 55,000 times. The correction was shared 2,000 times. Nobody cares about the correction. Yeah, and this, this loophole is something that the corporate media has known for a long time. That's why they make the sensationalist headline accusatory story and then three days later four days later when everybody's already picked up the outrage and already written the rest of the story for themselves and carried on running with it then they print the correction on page 12 and nobody sees it nobody cares it was based on (laughs) it, it seems that kimmy has started her own poll in the chat and now wants to be elected the minister of fun i will review all cabinet appointments I have the final say. I'm the king here. It's not a fucking democracy. See, you're already going about it the wrong way. First of all, you wouldn't be the minister of fun. You would be, uh, you'd be like the high priest or the high lord of fun in the kingdom. But it's you don't get a vote. It's a kingdom. I'll decide. Maybe okay. You want to be the minister of fun? We'll make you the court jester. How about that? <laughs> Done. Why Censored is now the court jester in the kingdom of Boogie Stan. This is what you wanted. <laughs> Everybody laugh at Why Censored. Everybody laugh at Kimmy now. Forever. <laughs> Dance, jester. Entertain us. Or I'll, I'll off with your head. <laughs> but the park police had made an error. Correction. It was shared 2,000 times. It was based on that initial false information that Weinberg had become a suspect for the internet mob. <laughs> <laughs> Seba Reloaded with a diamond says, did you say that Seba Reloaded needs an axe? I've told you, it's an ha- it's a hazing process. It's a very difficult hazing process, Seba Reloaded. You have to think long and hard about if you're ready for that kind of commitment. I don't, I don't know if you are or not. I don't know. And I don't want to put somebody through the process unless they're ready for it. It's kind of like the Kingsman. Only one of you will survive at the end of this. Look around with the other potential axe holders. Only one of you is going to walk out of here alive. And even then you might not get the axe. It was based on that initial false information that Weinberg had become a a suspect for the internet mob. Listen to this. To his surprise, the app that he used to record his regular bike rides from Bethesda into Georgetown via the Capitol Crescent Trail shared that information publicly. Not just with his network friends and followers. Someone had located a record of his ride on the path on June 12, uh, June 2nd, matched it to the location of the, the assault from the video, matched his profile picture, white guy, aviator glasses, helmet obscuring much of his head, to the man in the video and shared the hunch publicly, ladies and gentlemen. You know you got Microsoft? 
You got Apple, you got Google, and you got Amazon. It looks like MAGA to me. It took off. Weinberg didn't know what doxing meant, but it was happening to him. Someone posted his address. Detective Lopez didn't answer his call, but soon someone with the police department contacted Weinberg to let him know that officers would be patrolling the area around his home because he might be in danger. <clears throat> Detective Lopez reached him around 11pm and they agreed to meet the next morning. At 11.47, Weinberg treated, uh, tweeted, I recently learned I have been misidentified in connection with a deeply disturbing attack. Please know this was not me. I have been in touch with the authorities and will continue to help in any way possible. His fiance in New York, he spent the night alone, refreshing Twitter, watching helplessly as people tried to destroy his life. And Weinberg wasn't the only one. Another man, a former Maryland cop, was wrongly accused too. The tweet accusing him was retweeted and liked more than half a million times. <laughs> Innocent people. Half a million times. At 7am, Weinberg brought his bicycle and his helmet with him to the police station. Detective Lopez told him he was free to go and the department would issue a report excluding him as a suspect. Wow, thanks. Thanks, sir. Thanks for the help, boss. Thanks for clearing me as a suspect. <laughs> the app that recorded his bike ride information, ladies and gentlemen, that recorded how far he travelled, posts the information publicly, and somebody was able to get that info and dox the guy. Thanks, cops. Very cool. On the phone, Frosch, who did not return a request for comment from Intelligencer, was empathetic. He acknowledged that he had in some way... <laughs> Hang on. on uh, let, me, let me go back. On Twitter, Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch sent Weinberg a message. I am sorry for what you are going through. Police have a suspect. Can I, co can I post something that would help? If please, Mister Mister Politician, stay the fuck Ring away the from bell it. You're and only going to make cheese, it worse. Man. Thank you for the resub, Ben K. Veritas. Hours before Weinberg was falsely accused, Frosch had asked all of Twitter for help finding the man in the video. So the Attorney General started this Karen campaign. The Karen campaign found somebody who was on a bike trail. The Karens decided that the guy looked close enough to the person that they were looking for. And then the Karens started to post his personal information and say that they're going to kill him. Thank Ring you for the, the diamond spending. Get your cheese, man. Winning TV, handing out the subs. Thank you for the gifted subs. Spent D says, Congrats on making partner. Thank you very much. I didn't think we could do it, baby, but we did it. Weinberg told a reporter he was dizzy after what he went through. You may hear from me in, in time as I reflect on the experience. For now, I will say this. We must align in the fight for justice and equality and not the cost of due process and the right to privacy and safety, ladies and gentlemen. See, this has long been uh, something that I've really, really, really disliked. And even like, even like, say, like a fucking accused sex offenders and stuff getting led into court cameras in their face oh look what this guy's accused of what if he's innocent what if he didn't do it it doesn't matter at that point 
by the time you get to that point, the damage is already done. He's already been fired. He's already been tarred and feathered. The, the story has already spread and the correction will never get any attention. Karens are stepping up their game. Follow Q in the, tat, in the chat. Exactly. One guy. This is, this is the internet lynch mob. This is how it works. And I bet you didn't know that your bike riding app that logs like your heart rate and shit, it logs how far you rode your bike in the morning. I bet you didn't know that it's posting your shit publicly and that people can just jump on and go, there he is, that's the guy, here's his name, here's his address, let's go, uh, let's go get him. Scary fucking stuff. <coughs> and that's a bike riding app. Imagine what they can do with apps that are actually designed to track your movements and your whereabouts. And this is for all the people who are cheering on things like the social tracking apps and the social tracing apps who are swallowing the BS that, oh, well, it's not, we're not going to keep anything personal. We're not going to keep anything personal. We're not going to uh, keep any ID. We covered, I went back and rewatched a segment that we did like two months ago. Um, my comrade on Trust and Verify, James R, ladies and gentlemen, real person, PLTCS, did a Periscope last week talking about facial recognition cameras being brought into Hawaiian airports. And I thought, fuck, that sounds familiar. So I went through my archive and we did an episode nearly three months ago dealing with that very topic. It's called, if you go back in the archive of podcasts, it's called Smile, You're On, uh, you're on an Archive or something like that. Smile, You're On a, a Government Database. Clearview AI, the app being used by 600 law enforcement agencies in North America today. You're not allowed to know which law enforcement agencies are using it, by the way. But the way the app works is anybody can take your picture and then within seconds, they can bring up your name, your address, who you work for and who your social circle is, who your friends are. Exactly. Rusty in a chat. It will never happen here. And we played the videos from two years ago about this very same uh, thing happening in China. And I said, you watch, it will come to America. It will come to Australia. Facial recognition technology as a means of control. And so when I was watching James's Periscope last week talking about it coming into Hawaii, I was not surprised. If anything, it's taken a little longer than I thought. So if you're one of these people who is really excited and really happy about the social tracking and here's the thing, right? They'll use the facial recognition technology the way they'll get you on board with it if you're like a law and order person if you're i mean look at the social tracking shit so three weeks ago everybody agreed that the social tracking stuff was uh, it was a problem it was a problem that we need to deal with but then as soon as the riots started happening and the looting started happening the very same people who were agreeing that the social tracking technology from the big companies that was being touted like applauded by the fucking white house mind you we played the donald trump press conference where he said uh it's not a problem with the mechanics it's we have a constitutional problem he referred to the constitution as a problem in rolling this tech out because of private some people out there some people out there have some privacy concerns it's a constitutional problem, but don't worry. We're going to work through that. Our stuff is going to be so much better than Singapore's. It's going to be bigger and better than China's, right? We played the clip. 
Remember him patting Google on the back in the Oval Office? Well, Google is MAGA. You got Microsoft, you got Apple, you got Google, you got Amazon. That looks like MAGA to me. Google is MAGA. We've played, we've gone through the articles of Google offering free coronavirus tests in order to get your personal medical information, ladies and gentlemen. Like, that's the deal that they're offering. It's not a secret. It's not a conspiracy. Because they want to get into the medical data industry. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub-winning TV. All of these things compound. It's not not a coincidence. And now they're doing uh, temperature checks at Hawaiian airports with linked with facial recognition technology. To get you, snap you, right there. Take your temperature and quarantine you for two weeks. And if somebody spots you walking around outside the quarantine zone that you're supposed to be in, guess what? You're out of there. So a few months ago, we were playing all of these clips. It'll never happen here. Well, it's happening. And if you're in favor, the way they'll get you in favor of that is because of law and order. So everybody was against the social tracking. The riots started and the very same people who were against the social tracking then started applauding the social tracking. Because why? Oh, we'll be able to catch the rioters now. We'll catch the looters. Joy of Pessy, ladies and gentlemen. Follow Joy of Pessy, our good friend, dlive.tv slash Joy of Pessy. Hey, Magarena. <laughs> hey, Magarena. Hi. The very same people who were against social tracking only weeks earlier then became in favour of it. Because why? Oh, we'll be able to catch all those looters. We'll be able to round up all those looters. But again, it was an empty, it was an empty promise. It was a shallow promise. Because the moment that they rounded up, they used the social tracking data to round up all of the looters and the rioters, the AG in New York said, we're not going to charge any of them. We're going to let them all go. You've been had, you've been fooled. You thought you were going to get, but you got got. And if you're celebrating that kind of shit for whatever reason, law and order, finding people out, keeping people safe from coronavirus, I've got news for you. A bike riding app that's used to log how many kilometers or how many miles you ride through the park in the morning can be used to get your personal data, your personal info whacked up on LinkedIn to the point where you're getting death threats. The angry cunt in DLive says, you think we could stop them tracking us? No, but here's the thing, right? At least don't make it legal. At least don't make it legal. Because that's a, that's a thing that people say, well, they're doing it anyway, so what's the difference, right? Well, the difference is, it's the dumbest argument in human history. Uh, there's illegal immigration. Why not make it legal? You know, you can't stop illegal immigration. You may as well legalize it. Oh, well, that's stupid. It's the same argument here. People say, well, you can't stop them tracking us. You may as well let them do it. You know, murders always happen. You may as well legalize murder. No, no. You enforce the rules that we have. You enforce the laws that we have on the books. You don't say, well, they're breaking the laws every day anyway. We may as well let them do it. Bike riding is racist, ladies and gentlemen. Let's switch gears here. Who of you saw this over the weekend? Maybe last week. I've had this one sitting in the tank for a while. 
Speaking of the riots, uh, speaking of the looting, you know, there's always a story behind the story. And maybe sometimes we don't get the full story. <laughs> you're gonna if you haven't seen this, you're gonna love this. <clears throat> this, ladies and gentlemen, is allegedly George Floyd's second grade teacher, I think, or third grade teacher, or thereabouts. Uh recounting <laughs> recanting a memoir. An anecdotal memoir of George Floyd as a child, ladies and gentlemen. So let's have a look at this. You're going to love this. Trust me. She taught George Floyd when he was in second grade. Second grade. Okay. So we're going back to second grade George Floyd, all right? Grade. He was called Perry back then. Perry. His name is George Perry Floyd, and he went by Perry in elementary school. Waynell Sexton was Floyd's teacher in 1981. She's held on to hundreds of her students' work, binding them in books. George Floyd wrote this when he was eight years old. When I grow up, I want to be a Supreme Court judge. Wake up, honey, I made you breakfast. Fresh coffee and bagels. I shouldn't laugh. A new day. You want to hear it again? <laughs> Hundreds of her students' work, binding them in books. George Floyd wrote this when he was eight years old. When I grow up, I want to be a Supreme Court judge. <laughs> now, I see a lot of dismissal in the chat. A lot of people are saying bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Here's the thing, right? Because I was thinking about this earlier. You know me. You know I'm a very cynical guy. People are like, this is bullshit. This is a setup. Come on now. Now. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he could have become a Supreme Court judge. Did you think of that? If the racist, uh, oppressive capitalist system didn't tear the guy down in his prime, he could have become a Supreme Court judge at some point. We'll never. Now we'll never know. All of that potential has gone down the gurgler. It's a fucking tragedy, right? He could have been a Supreme Court judge. Obviously. <laughs> but I was thinking about this. Look, I can't I can't say that it's true. I can't say that it's not true, but <laughs> Winning TV with a diamond. Winning TV with a diamond says, I want to be the first Supreme Court judge with felonies. <laughs> Come on, be nice. The guy had dreams. Jennifer Briggs in the chat, who uh well, I better not say. She says, uh, the teacher saves all that shit. No way. No teacher saves all that shit. But here's the thing, right? I am not, I am in no way going to stop anybody expressing uh, skepticism of this particular story. Not in any way. I have a lot of sympathy with people who cast a skeptical eye over this. Because we've been so lied to and so had and so manipulated for so long, they really have no right to demand people believe everything they say anymore. Do you remember the story we did last week on Wednesday? Where we had people in media, ladies and gentlemen, boasting about the fact that they no longer do objectivity. Like I'm not being hyperbolic. If you missed the st- if you missed the show last week, Wednesday show, go back and listen to it. The very first item we went through. People in media, ladies and gentlemen, saying they're very excited. It's a brand new era for the media, 
because we're doing away with all of that traditional journalism stuff. And I'm not talking about opinion pieces. I'm talking about reporters in newsrooms. You see, reporters think that they've been too ethical for too long. So they, they now want to be activists. They're openly telling people that it's their job to push social change, to push an agenda, and not be objective anymore. They're celebrating the fact that they're not objective anymore. It's not a conspiracy. We have the quotes from the horse's mouth itself. So I'm not going to begrudge anybody who looks at this, who casts a sceptical eye over this particular story. When people say, Your Honor, he did rob the bank, I will say, be seated. This is his artwork. And... uh Very nice little picture there of Judge George. Huh? Why don't you believe this? What's wrong with you? Don't you don't you like this? Don't you think this is don't you think this is believable? <laughs> Lady Fritz is in the chat just like, nope. <laughs> Uh, his picture of him as a Supreme Court judge. I just love the uh, line that says, I'll beat my hammer on the desk, then everybody will be quiet. When did you realize the little boy that you taught was this national figure? When my student texted me and said, uh, Miss Sexton, that's Perry, and he was in our classroom. Sexton says the little boy she taught... So, hang on. <laughs> okay. Again... I'm not saying it's true or untrue, but I will ask the obvious question and say, let's let's see a show of hands in the chat. Press one in the chat if you still keep in regular text, if you still keep in regular text contact, if you still keep in regular contact via text message with your second grade teacher from when you were eight years old. Okay. Press two in the chat. If you think that's one of the most fucking ridiculous things that you've ever heard in your life, that a former student, a former eight-year-old student of this woman in 1981 still keeps in contact with her. Press one in the chat if you have that experience. If you still keep in contact, press two in the chat if you're like, no, that's insane. Let's see. Let's see the poll. not looking good inside edition <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm yet to see a one <laughs> it's wall to wall twos you should here's the thing even if that's the true story don't use it <laughs> because it doesn't sound true she would have been far better off saying, I remember that I had a kid named George Perry Floyd in my class. Oh, wait, I went through my old things and I found something. I heard his name and I remembered I had a kid like that in my class. That would have been far more believable. Oh, I got a text message. (laughs) Winning TV with a diamond. Now we may know why the carrier in porn for Perry. I got a text message from a former student. Did she laminate it? It looks like it, doesn't it? (laughs) But let's be fair here. 
let's be fair here. Teachers from children years ago are often called upon by the media to talk about what their what public figures were like as children. Like this is not a com this is not an uncommon thing. It happens all the time. And it's always done respectfully. You know, when they talk to former teachers of public figures, they always do it respectfully. They always share a positive story, especially if that person has risen in some way to become noteworthy in some way, shape or form. Like, like this, for example, from a couple of years ago. Do you remember this? A Santa Monica teacher is now on home assignment after she said senior White House advisor Stephen Miller was a strange dude who ate glue in her third grade class and compared him to the penis character Pigpen. Hey, we don't have any problem going back in time and speaking with the <laughs> speaking with the teachers of public figures, do we? It's always done in a very respectful way. So of course you have to believe it. Of course it's believable. <laughs> I swear, <laughs> fascist Timmy's like, wait, what? You don't remember this story? Let's compare the two. So on one hand. We have a current White House aide and speechwriter to the president, like somebody who is in the Oval Office regularly. That's the level that he's risen to. On the other hand, we have a guy who was killed by police who has been accused of things like being a porn star and somebody who did time for allegedly uh, putting a gun to a pregnant woman's belly in a, during a home invasion. So here's one story. She told Try to figure out try to figure out who belongs to which story. This is a fun game. <laughs> so I'm going to play you two clips of stories about uh early young age teachers teach talking about the students that they had when they were 8 and 9 years old. I want you to put the story together with the person. Which one is the guy who was in porn and put a gun to a pregnant woman's belly? who was arrested and unfortunately killed by police on the street, and which one is the current aide to the president and speechwriter, based on these two stories. She taught George Floyd when he was in second grade. Mm -hmm. He was called Perry back then. Perry. His name is George Perry Floyd, and he went by Perry in elementary school. Waynell Sexton was Floyd's teacher in 1981. She's held on to hundreds of her students' work, binding them in books. George Floyd wrote this when he was eight years old. When I grow up, I want to be a Supreme Court judge. When people say, your honor, he did rob the bank, I will say, be seated. This okay, I want to be a Supreme Court judge, and now who belongs to this story? A Santa Monica teacher is now on home assignment after she said senior White House advisor Stephen Miller was a strange dude who ate glue in her third grade <laughs> class and compared him to the penis character Pigpen. Nikki Fisk told The Hollywood Reporter she taught Miller when he was eight years old at Franklin eight Elementary. The district says it is concerned about a release of student information and that her allegations may not have complied with laws and district policies. Fisk is 72 years old and a registered Democrat. The district says she will be on home assignment until they decide what, and if anything, they will do. She's been placed on indefinite leave pending an investigation. One of our favourite lines here on this show. Yes, the penis, carrier, penis character Pigpen. Let me find this penis character Pigpen. 
Charles McKernan, also known as Pigpen. No, that's not him. <laughs> Pigpen penis. I don't know. I can't find what the hell they're talking about. I got no idea. But apparently he looks like a penis. I thought he said penis too. Let's have a listen again. Let's go back. Becky Fisk told The Hollywood Reporter she taught Miller when he was eight years old at Franklin. Meanwhile, some on the political left love to use the word and often use the word white. No, 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 no. Franklin Elementary. The district says it is concerned about a release of... Monica Teacher is now on home assignment after she said senior White House advisor... Oh, Peanuts character, Peanuts. (laughs) Ah, yeah, Peanuts. Oh, yeah, the dirty kid. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, find, let's find who Stephen Miller is a kid. Okay, everybody Whoa. gather around. It's time for the big pen. Hold down. Kick up your heels. Jump up and down. Shut your So eyes. this is Stephen Miller, apparently. Reach out your hand and if no one's there, grab your own hand, dance round in the square. When you're doing the big pen, hold down. Which one is the White House aide and speechwriter? This guy? If you find no one in sight, just out of your toes and bow to your knees and dance around just as you please. When you're doing the big band hoedown, gotta have a collar you can trust. Cause when big band does a hoedown, he really kicks up some dust. There you go. I think you get the idea. Well, you know, maybe that's an unfair example. Maybe I've cherry-picked a couple of examples. To say that George Floyd wanted to become a Supreme Court justice and that Stephen Miller, the current White House aide and speechwriter, used to eat his own boogers, eat glue, and was a strange dude. As an eight-year-old, she said, the quote, he was a strange dude. I didn't know eight-year-olds could be dudes. Well, you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe we're taking one extreme example a little too far. It's not like, it's like I said, it's not uncommon for people to go into people's past. How sad Boogie doesn't know the Peanuts gang. That was before my time, man. When I was a kid, it was uh, Ninja Turtles. That was, my, that was my jam when I was a kid. So Peanuts was like an era before. I didn't really watch like the old, old cartoons. I, Looney Tunes, the exception. Everybody knows Looney Tunes. But like uh, Peanuts, the Flintstones, meh, meh, no. So when I was a kid, it was, uh, gee, what did we have? It was like Rugrats, the Nickelodeon ones. So Ren and Stimpy, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? That kind of shit. So, you know, they go back into people's past of public figures. They're usually very nice about it. I'm sure that one example of Stephen Miller was just off the cuff. It was very strange. It was an anomaly. I'm sure whenever they go back to his past, they only say glowing things about him as a younger man. And Jeff, as you know, one thing for sure, you don't want to be called out by your hometown rabbi or preacher or priest. And that is what happened this week to senior presidential advisor Stephen Miller, an influential force in the Trump administration, especially on controversial immigration policies. When the congregation at Beth Shur Shalom Synagogue in Santa Monica sang out this week in celebration of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, it was a celebration with a strong message from Rabbi Neil Comas Daniel. Because what we need more, what we need more than anything in the places of worship 
is very hyper-partisan political rhetoric. <laughs> he says when presidential advisor Stephen Miller was a child, his family was briefly members of the congregation. <laughs> We're not going to... Surely this is going to be a nice story about Stephen Miller as a child. You know, if we talk about George Floyd as a child, all we know at this point is that he wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> he wanted to be a Supreme Court judge. He was an angel. <laughs> all we know about Stephen Miller is that he used to eat glue <laughs> and he, he was like the Peanuts character Pigpen. <laughs> But there were groans when Rabbi Comus Daniel... Surely this is going to even up the ledger. Surely this is going to balance things out. ...began his sermon reading a letter to Stephen Miller. To Stephen Miller, <laughs> senior advisor to the president. What are you doing, Stephen? <laughs> to Stephen Miller, senior advisor to Mr. Trump. Mr. Miller, why do you have to be so nasty all the time to all of these beautiful people? You know, we're just trying to make the world a better place. We're just trying to make the world a little more equitable over here. And you've got to go and why do you always have to be such a problem? Why you got to start so much trouble all the time? Building the Realm in the chat. Give Building the Realm a follow. I tuned into Building the Realm the other day. Fucking unbelievable, man. I feel like I want to, I want to play some Building the Realm. The guy's got skills. I tell you that. <laughs> building the Realm. Checking it out. Give Building the Realm a follow. Uh, he's an older guy with a big white beard who drops some of the sickest, fattest rhymes you've ever heard in your life. You will absolutely love it. So thank you for joining us, Building the Realm. <clears throat> and I think he's going to be on JJ's... He was on JJ's show last week on Friday. If you missed it, go back and check out the replay. <clears throat> Mr. Miller, why you got to be a problem? We're trying, we're trying to make things so much better for everybody. Miller, who is Jewish, grew up in Santa Monica and attended Santa Monica High School. And today he plays a major role in the Trump administration. But what the about New York when he was Times a kid? Times reports Miller is a key designer of President Donald Trump's hardline immigration policies, including the zero... Building the realm of the diamond. Thank you. Thank you, bro. No, thank you. ...tolerance policy that led to the separation of families who illegally crossed the U.S. border. In his Rosh Hashanah sermon, Rabbi Comus Daniels called him out on that. <laughs> the zero-tolerance policy is completely antithetical to everything I know about Judaism, Jewish law, and Jewish values. Okay. We have to take up this moral slack um, that has this moral void uh, uh, that uh, is, is now gaping in front of us that we need, to, we need to fill it up with justice. In defending the zero-tolerance policies, Miller said this to the New York Times. It was a simple decision by the administration to have a zero-tolerance policy for illegal entry, period. The message is that no one is exempt from immigration law. Rabbi Nobody. Comus Daniels says Miller was about nine years old when his family joined the congregation for a year or two, but the policies he's promulgating now are not consistent with what he was taught in Hebrew school. When a Jew Hebrew is school. in charge of, of something like this, it becomes almost inconceivable that someone who knows these values could then go ahead and uh, construct a policy like this and put it into action. <laughs> um, are we missing Israel? <laughs> you know, Israel, that country that has like the wall and the army patrolling the wall, 
and the special forces guys who shoot people who try to get around the wall and you know get into territory and stuff are we are we forgetting about all that <laughs> you know it's very unfortunate <laughs> it's very problematic Ring the bell and get your cheese man woodchip tv sub 5 month sub for woodchip tv it's very problematic when a Jew gets into one of these uh, positions. You know, I don't like it when I hear stories about them, uh, you know, enforcing very strict immigration laws. It's very un-Jewish. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Gypsy with a diamond. Thank you for the di thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. There did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond for, Gypsy? Says Saturday morning cartoons in the 70s, 80s best. All right. Before we go to the break, and then we'll bring on our guest uh, tonight, Major Tom, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to bring you, because we mentioned building the realm, here he is. This is what I'm talking about. This is the shit right here. Let's have a look. Oh, hang on. I need to I need to unmute it, first of all, before we go any further. Unmute that page. I, I like that Whoa. Dresden finally found a way to get me contributions and get his messages out. <laughs> I've missed Dresden's little diamond messages. <laughs> hey, Bear for All, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? He's such a nice Good guy. To see you. I love this guy. I like hey, I said, I only you, I only saw thank him you, last week. Let's Good get one of these fat beats all. happening. Here we go. Oh, this LL Cool J, the Ripper. Yeah. Here we go. I haven't even smoked any weed today, Judy. No weed I haven't today. smoked any weed. He's not stoked. He's not stoked. I love the lighting effects. I've got one of those. Yeah. This will take us out to the break. You got me a big black cock. Gonna sit there and I'm gonna talk. Gonna tell you all about the blacks and cops. How the whole system is already rigged and shot. Here we go now. Here's the flow now. Look at the 1350 and how it goes now. I told you it was how fucking good. That many people come on, go create that much crime because they had no mom, no dad, and they're all doing time inside of the welfare line, inside of the AFDC, getting the welfare, getting all the money from the Jews, getting the greed. But all they want is gold chains and new sneaks. And they sit out there in the streets being thieves, trying to get all the stuff that they need by burning down and looting your city. Fire! So let's talk Fire. about the things they do. Let's talk about how they're all led by the Jew. Let's talk about how, <laughs> hey, NAACP and all the other black organizations that you see are all controlled by the heave. They're all controlled by the Jewish greed. They're all controlled for cultural subversion every day. They just try to rip and tear us away. Absolute us fire, all ladies and gentlemen. So if you're not following, building the realm, you can't tell, you can't tell me that this is worse. Like this is uh, any worse than like 95% of the shitty rap that's already out there on YouTube. You can't tell me that this is worse. This is better than 95% of it. Just being thieves and looters and robbers and joggers. Just sitting there listening to the hollers. Watch the slaughter. Watch the bullets start to show. Watch the blood start to flow. Because that's the way it's going to go. Building the so realm, just, ladies just and gentlemen. Rip apart at the seams and fall Taking down. us out to the break. Uh, we'll take a quick five-minute break. I'm going to refresh my drink. 
We'll be right back with more of the Daily Boogie, ladies and gentlemen. This is freestyle, exactly. We'll be more. We'll be right back with the second half of the show and Major Tom, ladies and gentlemen, to break down society's breakdown. Stick around. We'll be back in five. Every day by the phone apps on our TV, by everything we do. System of the Jew. Your novelty comedy songs, organic, handmade with painstaking care, put into every note. Well, look no further than Irrational Times. Using only the finest instruments to create an experience that your ears will thank you for later. Irrational Times attempts to elevate the whimsy to a desirable level. New songs and sketches every week. So check it out. Idiot boogie bumper. Idiot boogie bumper. Really giving that one a workout. Come on. <laughs> Dlive.tv slash JJ Stoner. And we love JJ here on the show. It's the J.J. Stoner Spring Collection, the perfect attire for any and every occasion you can think of this season. Like we were in the mosh pit full of sweat and everyone slapping, hitting, and pulling on you. This shit won't rip. Lunch at your favorite cafe? Brunch with the girls? These stylish ensembles will give you the confidence you need to look and feel your best. Or if you're getting arrested for possession, it comes with a built-in police stick-proof body armor. Keep swinging, pigs! Call now and your order will come with a complimentary ounce of that dankest bubblegum slur cane that the South has to offer. But don't forget the wall tapestry! If you need to cover your wall, it works! Inverted, narcissistic, and most importantly, completely pointless. Come waste an hour of your week with The Starting Block, Friday nights Australian time at dlive.tv forward slash The Starting Block. Get in touch with us on Twitter at The Starting Block, no K at the end. Also, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes by searching for The Starting Block, or one word, or on Podbean at startingblock.podbean.com. Join the Blockheads, tuning in, in their millions, right around the world. Hello, my name is Frozen Asian, and I like to tell you about my show, The Sunday Night Shit Show, every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, along with the good conversations and laughing at funny and weird shit we find on the internet. We also have The Hat Count, where I showcase my myriad of great-looking hats. Here is a testimonial from a great friend of mine who has enjoyed my hats lately. Hi. I hope your next hat is a bullet. Jesus Christ, what are you, fucking Asian Dick Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> you. 
you have to ruin my evening. Like I, I'm just gonna just listen, you know, listen to my bud do their show, and you, you gotta, you just gotta do that. Without the hat. So you're not enjoying it? No. <laughs> Dude, Asian uh, come Dick on, really enjoy it. You look no. like you're going undercover in, in Argentina, but it's now working. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I oh, come on, you secretly really love it. No, no, I openly hate it. <laughs> <laughs> And there you have it. Uh, so subscribe to the Sunday Night Shit Show at youtube.com slash Sunday Night Shit Show. And uh, hope to see you there on Sunday nights. Bye. Feeling depressed? Need someone to tell you it's not okay? Do you like goth public access TV? Then join me for The Big Empty every Sunday at noon. Major underscore Tom on DLive with zeros for O's, because everything in your life is that difficult. Hey, Patriots, this is your favorite Southerner, Doc Martin. Just wanted to remind you to put on your calendars to join me and your favorite near-to-wheel Yankee, Bill D'Angelo, on Saturday nights, beginning with Promises Kept at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by the Speakeasy with all of your favorite Patriots. You never know what we might cuss and discuss. That's right, Doc Martin. This is everybody's favorite Yankee, Phil D'Angelo speaking. And on Saturday night, we could have Kimmy, wise censored, affectionately known as Electrolux, the original grandma, UK Neil, Rusty, and his famous sound test show, Coffee Talk with Sandra, Earth Citizen, Stefan, the infamous Grandma Sears, Mac Daddy may even make a show up, or virtually anyone else in the world for some irrelevant fun. Yankee, you mean some irreverent fun. So be sure to join us on Twitch, Periscope, DLive, or YouTube. That's right, Doc. Follow us at Winning TV on all of those channels. So be sure and put it on your calendar. We'll be looking for you. We'll leave the porch light on. I still think it's irrelevant fun. But why are you fumbling for coins when you'll have a heavy bag? <laughs> There's a place that we can go. It's a special little spot tucked away on D-Live Enjoy the joy of Pessie Campy old movies and old cartoons We hope to see you over there very soon It's our special little spot tucked away on D-Live Enjoy the joy of Pessie When we were kids and there wasn't any school We'd sit and watch all the best cartoons Cereal until it was noon We never thought that 30 years later It'd still be cool Saturday night and cheesy movies The ones that used to show us boobies It's our special little spot Tucked away on D-Live Enjoy the joy of Pessy Enjoy the joy of Pessy Enjoy the joy of Pessy This Justin!
The global officials that can help all, also known as Gotchu, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More right around this world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. Coming back. Thank you for sticking around, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Second half of the show here on Deep Live with your official partner broadcaster. That's right. We got our tick, baby. We made it, baby. Very excited, very pumped. To, and thank you to D-Live, by the way. Thank you to super cool and fun D-Live for handing out that partnership to yours truly. Most appreciated. It's nice, it's nice to aim for something and to actually get it for a change. <laughs> and look, all jokes aside, um, you know, when I made the switch from, like, focusing on Periscope to focusing on DLive, a few people did not come over and stuff, but it was important to me because my experience on D... And look, everybody has their own experience, I get that, but my experience on DLive has been exclusively positive. And, like, I get not everybody has had that, but if I've ever had, like, some concern or something, if I've ever had some problem that I've had to sort out, I've emailed them. I've got an email back right away. Um, I've never had a problem with, like, the mods or anything like that. So, and they treat their streamers a lot better. So, like, I was on Periscope for a long time. People would donate super hearts to the show, which is like lemons, right? It's the Periscope version of lemons. And I couldn't, I couldn't get any of them. So, like, I had a whole bunch of them, and I emailed um, Periscope. And at that time, I was a partner on Periscope, mind you. Like, I was a silver badge partner on Periscope when all this went down. So I had, like, access to uh, the admins and shit in, like, a back-end uh, app that you can go in and ask them directly. And so I asked them, hey, uh, it seems that you're not letting me have my Periscope hearts. Is that going to change in the future? And I didn't get an email back the first time. And then I emailed again like a couple of weeks later and I said, what's going on with these super hearts? Why can't I take the super hearts out? And I got a response back that was something along the lines of, I'm not even fucking joking, something along the lines of, you raise a very interesting point, we'll bring that up at our next meeting. <laughs> so it was at that time I thought, you know what, fuck them. So I deleted like all of my uh, previous broadcasts on my Boogie Bumper account, which was the verified one. And I got an email like this. With, so within a day, I got an email back from Periscope saying, oh, well, you no longer qualify for the partner program. And I thought, wow, you've, you're very quick at getting back to me now, aren't you? Now that I've removed all of the other uh, replays and stuff, now you're straight onto me. Isn't that funny? And I just let that go. So <clears throat> when people are like, Oh, holy shit! Woodchip TV with a ninja guinea, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for dropping the guinea on us. You people, please lemon up. My bag is pretty empty. Gotta prove your love. Carry on. <laughs> thank you so much, Woodchip TV. 
So that's, you know, when I came across the D-Live, I've only had positive experiences and I've never been screwed around with uh, donations to show. I, I was never interested in like taking donations and stuff. There was a bunch of people who would be at me all the time saying, I want to I want to give you a tip. I want to give you a tip. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I actually had, you know, I'll, I'll reveal it. It was Coffee Talk with Sandra. You know, rem- remember how I said, and by the way, the link will be in the, in the uh, show notes afterwards. Coffee Talk with Sandra has a GoFundMe. She's going through some health problems right now. She's like, look, if you can, if you've got a few bucks, if you've got a cup of coffee worth of uh, change to waste on a GoFundMe, you may as well waste it on somebody who deserves it. So she's always the first one to help people out. She threatened me <laughs> saying, you know, you will take my tip. You will take my help. This was a couple of years ago. Ring the bell. Just don't be an asshole, teeth, man. <laughs> basically. Woodchip TV with a sub. So she, you know, she um, is always the first one to help people out. I can hear some clacking away. So let's introduce our guest here. I've kept him holding long enough. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the master of manipulation, the doyen of destruction, the king of chaos. I'm talking exactly about Major Tom. How are you, mate? How are you going? Oh, yeah. I'm doing well. Sorry for disturbing you with my uh, my clicky no, no, clacker no. keyboard. I had to have the the mechanical the one with the. And get your I love cheese, it. <laughs> <laughs> I love disturbing people I'm talking to with the loud loud clicking. It's the, my favorite thing. You know, like <laughs> I'm I'm a sound file, a soundophile, an audiophile. They call them. And so when I was looking, when I got my new rig built. I was looking for a keyboard that was silent because I don't want, like, I put a lot of effort into, like, making sure that the room's dead and everything like that. I don't want to hear uh, people hear my clicking on the keyboard. So I found one which was, like, a touch. It's like a, an, a, a mat. It's like a plastic mat. You can roll it up. That's the keyboard. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, those are neat. Yeah, they're fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> Does not Congrats work. Congrats on uh, on partner, by the way. If anybody deserves it, that's that's a good point. You deserve it though. For just the the production quality of the Daily Boogie, which I'm always happy to be on, will never miss an opportunity well, uh, to you. join you. Is is top notch. So if anybody deserved a uh, partner, uh, it was definitely you. So congrats on that. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Much appreciated. And. Uh, by the way, if you're not following Tom, uh, dlive.tv, major underscore Tom with zeros for O's because everything in your life is that difficult. Uh, yeah, I, will, I won't have anyone listening to me that didn't work for it. <laughs> I'm going to make it perfectly clear. It's like, it's like finding your show is like finding uh, a gilded crest in Indiana Jones. Like you've got to roll it's, through a tunnel, like your boulders try to hit you, the natives will try to cut your heart out. Yeah, it's it's finding the goth kids at the stairwell at lunchtime when you were in high school. That's, <laughs> that's the whole point. It's, it's this little corner of sadness on D-Live. You have to go seek it out you can't just you can't just stumble into it they're never gonna put me on the front page even if i make affiliate status it's never gonna happen <laughs> well i like that you brought up uh the goth kids and i like that you brought up the sadness because you and i i think we share this we both get accused regularly of being a little too pessimistic tom a little too black pilled like we're not we don't uh, have enough hope for the future right i wouldn't say that it's it's pessimistic it's just i'm being realistic about this that's situation. the way i look most, at it, most people yeah seem to seem to think that there's what I call the hopium crisis, right? It's like yep. everyone wants to believe that the end of the story is going to be Cinderella in a castle. And really it's Oscar the Grouch in a trash can. Like it's, yeah. it, they're not even going to be like, you're not going to get anything that you want. Your government is corrupt to the core. They all hate you. You keep voting for them anyway, because there is no other choice. They make your life harder every day. And you seem to think that that's just going to change itself. It's just going to correct itself at some point. And it's just not going to happen. No. It's funny. Like I don't know if we, I don't know if you were on the show when I've spoken about this before. Have you heard of something called the Valance effect? 
I have not. What is that? Okay. We'll see. This explains it. The valence effect is a psychological inclination in people, in most people. You and I obviously don't have this uh, affliction, but most people do. The valence effect is something that humans do when they expect good outcomes, when there's no information to suggest that there will be a good outcome. And it's studied in psychology as like the problem gambler. So, you know, the guy at the track who's lost every single bet. And then he bets on another horse and he says to himself, I'll win this one because I'm due for a win, right? Uh, that's It's funny you break it down like that because to me that does sound like the definition of mental illness when you have no evidence that something will turn out well. <laughs> you assume that it will. Right. Well, see, it's very good. So I've, I've spent a little time playing like a little poker and stuff and it comes in very handy knowing that people have this disposition because when they get a hand, right, see – somebody gets pocket aces and they think that they have to win the hand, but you don't have to win the hand. You have, if you get dealt pocket aces, you have an 88% chance or whatever it is of winning the hand. An 88% chance is not uh, 100%, but people think that it is. And so people think I've got good cards here. I have to win. Like they're, and they ignore the fact that like, I've been betting like way over the top because obviously yeah, I've and got then, like and a then flush they, But or the something. thing is that, yeah, they keep that same mentality when a two comes out and yep. then like a five comes out. Like, oh, I'm still going to win though because I got the aces. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then it's an eight. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to win though. It's fine. A, a complete rainbow board, disconnected board, no straights, no flushes. And they're like, I'm going to win this. But the other guy's sitting on trips, you know? So. <laughs> Yeah, that or he completes the straight. Like he exactly. has it all laid up. Yeah, right? Uh, an open ended straight. Like both ends come in on the river in the turn. So. This, I think this is like what happens in society where we get screwed so much, constantly, constantly, constantly. And then our guy, like we elect a guy because we really believe in him. And all the information that we have tells us that our entire lives are believing in a politician to like become our fucking, uh, to become like our dreams come true has never worked, right? For anybody on earth, like for, for the entirety of human history, no politician has ever been like a flawless god amongst men, but we still do it. Every four years, we think, okay, this time, this time, everything's going to work out in my favor. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's 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 like this. You know, you 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 keep voting for these same people, but they all have the same interests, and it's not you. <laughs> it's it's always going to be them, no matter how many times they tell you. Uh, ahead of time that it is you yeah. <laughs> the government will never fix itself it's never happened exactly. at any point in time in any country on any continent on earth at any time period you can mention where the government will just decide you know today i think for once i'm just going to start cutting taxes and i'm just going to start dismantling all of these uh pork budgets that i have that i don't actually need and i'm going to start hitting that back to the people that voted me and i'm just going to do that today right <laughs> it, it just doesn't work out it never never will happen ever and and they rely on that see like in our system for them to be able to screw us as much as they do you know what has to uh, exist there has to be an an immense amount of goodwill between the rulers and the ruled and like for all of the cynicism that guys like you and I have, there still is a lot of goodwill. And what I mean by goodwill is like, yes, people are more cynical and more skeptical now, but all it takes is one speech. It'll take one speech and the guy to say one thing or the girl or whoever's running. And this isn't a Trump thing. It's not a Biden thing. It's a politics thing. 
And all they have to do is say one thing that you respond to and then bang, you're straight back on the hopium again. Like you're, you're fucking slapping that in vain, you know? Like, ah, oh, yes, now, yeah, I believe it now. Like all of the other things were wrong, you know what I mean? Well, like you mentioned it before, it's it's the the valence effect. I think you called it. Like it's yep. that's the only chance you have, the only hope you have at any one point in time uh, during someone's political reign over you is that for once the one thing they tell you will be true, just one time, mm. and you hope that's the one time <laughs> when you're listening. Like maybe it's this time where he says he's going to do this and he's actually going to do it. It's not true, but that's what you hope. That's the only the only shot you have. It's, it's <laughs> when like it comes that, to politics. It's like that famous old, old quote: "The only thing we have to fear is fear itself." Well, the only thing you have to hope for is hope itself. Like it works both ways. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I thought I, I just wanted to open the account tonight because we're going to go through a couple of clips. Uh, you're listening to the Daily Boogie, ladies and gentlemen. This is Major Tom, host of the Big Empty DLive.tv slash Major Tom with zeros for O's. Major underscore Tom with zeros for O's because everything. Yeah, is you got to get the underscore in there. You got to get the underscore. Have the whole thing. <laughs> Tribe called Quest. I need the whole. I can't change it now either that I started. No. So it's like now, now I'm stuck with it. I'm now you're going to have to zero. deal with this I'm not going back to zero for you assholes. Fuck that. Hey, I, 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 worked, I worked for like six months to get it to like 120 followers. I'm not giving them up now. <laughs> well, I thought, how about we start with a little bit of hope? Because people accuse us of being too black-pilled, too pessimistic. I came across this the other day, Tom, and I thought you might like this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this or not. How about this for a way to build bridges? How about this for a way for people to come together? Can you see the screen there? I can see the screen. Okay. Now, have a look at this. This, I think, is the way. This is the only way forward. Stop looking to politicians. Start looking to your neighbours. Start looking to your brothers, right? Have a look at this, man. You're going to love this. This is a desafio. No more racism. É isso? Desafio, racismo, no. Entendeu? Qual é o nome do desafio? Racismo, no. No, I approve of this actually. <laughs> we should do more of it. <laughs> that's how you All fix right, the that's world. Pretty good. Well, it's funny, like because when I grew up, like I, I'm in that like perfect age bracket in like a 30 year old boomer, where like I grew up in high school, um, you know, having all this 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 hope and like the, the economy was great, America was number one. Yep. You know, we were like dominating the tech sector. There was going to be all these great things in the future when you got at, out of high school, and then senior year happens, and bam, you get 9/11. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the start of your adulthood. So all this cool stuff like that, like that's what all these celebrities are paying for now, right? Because that's how growing up it was, you know. Uh, Howard Stern would, ha- would wear blackface and have a KKK member on as a as a guest. Uh, same thing with like yep. Jerry Springer. Everything was cool and open, and you had all the the freedom of speech you were guaranteed. You had all of it. No, like people didn't like it sometimes, but you just kind of had to accept it. But now, <laughs> now it's the polar opposite. Now you have to totally walk a razor's edge every time you go anywhere. And if you even leer at someone the wrong way, they might just dox you. Just like the guy with the bicycle you had earlier, the guy yep. in the bike path. Yep. Exact same scenario. The, the slightest inclination that you, whether you did something or not, might be racist in that half of a second is all it takes to just fundamentally ruin your entire life. Everything you've built up to that point is now just a, a cliff face and it's straight down. Yeah, see, so, like... 
a lot of people say, oh, the only way to fix this is to get people to care more. And I used to think that, but I'm just work, I'm working through a theory here on the fly. While you were talking, it came to me. What if the answer is to get people to care less? That is the answer. Right? Nobody's supposed to care. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you're supposed to go about your own daily life and not give, a, not give a damn about anybody else. Like, you're supposed to do your own thing the way that you want to do it as long as you're not harming anybody directly, physically. More importantly, because words can't actually hurt people. That's right. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I'm yes. sure you they're knew very that. They're very harmful. <laughs> offense very harmful, can never Tom. be given. Offense <laughs> can only be taken. So it's right. up to you if you want to be offended by it. I could just say things. Right. As long as I'm not punching you in the face, there shouldn't be any question is that let out like I'm not I'm not just doing my own thing. If you don't like it, go away. Yeah. Block me on Twitter or whatever. Well, I don't <laughs> not, know. Not are you familiar get with me fired. Are you familiar with the Friedman economist Thomas Saul? Of course, yeah. Okay. Thomas Sowell is amazing. He's he's based. Uh, he he. I remember watching one interview with him, and the interviewer was completely confused that he didn't care about racism. And Thomas, like the he's the way he presents himself is just fucking amazing. Like the way he puts his uh, thoughts out there, and they they're like, how can you not be concerned about racism? And and Saul, who's a black guy, he's an economist, free market economist, and he's like, uh, I don't care about that. Uh, if somebody has thoughts about me, then uh, there's nothing I can do about that. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to my life. The only problem when racism becomes a problem, the only time when racism becomes a problem is when we're talking about like discriminatory actions. But he's like, a thought is not an action. So, you know, the, if we can still work together and still get the job done, you can hate me all you want. It doesn't make any difference to me, right? So why would I care? <laughs> and the interviewer yeah. was like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. What about the thoughts? We have to change the way they think. And he's like, no, that's the problem. That's how you get the problems in the first place, by trying to change the way people think. Yeah, well, it, the internet is a wonderful tool that has, uh, at the same time, as it has brought us a, a level of information sharing uh, unparalleled in human history, it has also completely destroyed the social order in such a short amount of time. It's it's breathtaking. Ben K. Veritas <laughs> has a great point in the chat. He says, attention is power. Don't add power to it. I said the same thing about Greta Thunberg, right? So when the Greta Thunberg thing was kicking off and people were like sharing memes and the, and I'm like, look, you're the ones turning her into a celebrity by memeing her. Like you don't get this yet. But if somebody, yeah, like, like, if you want to combat the Greta Thunberg effect of like children telling us how to run the world, the way to do it is when one of your progressive friends comes up to you and says, how good's that Greta Thunberg? You turn around to them, turn around to them and say, who, what? And they go, oh, it's a 17 year old girl. It's like, I don't care what a 17 year old girl thinks about climate change. Who cares? You know, yeah, um, you know the kind of things I came up with when I was seventeen. You think anyone's going to listen to me when I was seventeen? I'm actually concerned that you think a person that's seventeen right? has any inkling or any inclination of the way the world is supposed to work. Exactly. Uh, so, is there a level though? Is there a bottoming out effect when it comes to not caring? Though, like, is too much apathy a bad thing? I want to show you this clip, Tom, and I want you to tell me if you think not caring is still a good thing after watching this. Should the statue of Churchill be there or not, do you think? Well, I've heard uh, many arguments on both sides. Some say that he's a racist. Some say that he's a hero. I haven't personally met him. But... <laughs> okay, that might be too much not caring. <laughs> that might be a level of not caring. You might have you might have exceeded the daily recommended dosage of. <laughs> I've never met. Well, neither have I, lady. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I can't speak too bad about. I can't speak too highly of Jesus because I'd never met the guy. I wasn't around. But 
Uh, you know, like I'm sure he's walking around somewhere. Like, if somebody wants to have a meeting between me and Winston Churchill, I'll decide pretty quick if he's a racist or not. I mean, I can't, I can't really have an opinion on that Hitler guy because I never met him. <laughs> some people say, some people say he's a racist. Some people say he's a liberator. Like, I've never yeah, met I, a guy. You, you can't be sure until you talk to him, right? <laughs> I'll just play it one more time in case you missed it. Should the statue of Churchill be there or not, do you think? <laughs> well, I've heard uh, many arguments on both sides. Some say that he's a racist. Some say that he's a hero. I haven't personally met him. But what I would say <laughs> is that that question of whether he should remain should be put to the community. Yeah. If, if you're a representative <laughs> of the community, I vote no on that. Just, <laughs> yeah, just let you know. Vote <laughs> no. Holy shit, man! See, it's things like that. Things like that are the black pill, right? When you realise that most people around you, like, there, this person is on TV, Tom. Right? This person can vote. <laughs> That's the scariest part. Forget about TV. They vote. That's bad enough. <laughs> uh, but this person is on TV as like a voice of the community, right? Well, one of my favorite quotes of all time I use probably way too often is George Carlin, where if you imagine how stupid the average person is, you'll be even more alarmed to realize that half of them are even dumber than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, look, I, I do want to, before we get into the negative stuff, I do want to like give you one more piece of hope, Tom. I, I do want to try and inject some hope into this discussion. Uh, protests can change minds. You know what I mean? Like protests can change the world, Tom. People, everybody's listening. Everybody's yeah. My for... world has been changed significantly in the United States. I mean, uh, towns all over the all over the, the nation now have been burned to the ground. That's a significant change. Well, I have to say. Well, I I think that when it comes to fighting racism, the racism of the police. Now you're a former. Are we allowed to say you're a former cop or? Yeah, you can. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I mean, Tom's it was a like, former you know, cop. A, a decade ago. I only did it for a year because it sucked. Oh, I, I don't blame you. I couldn't do it. Um, but as a former cop, I wonder if you were presented with this scenario, whether you would feel differently about the protesters, generally speaking, Tom. Have a look at this. Fuck it up, sis. Fuck it up, sis. Oh, I have. I've seen this. There's a couple of these, actually. Fuck it up, sis. Fuck it up, sis. <laughs> Nothing says standing up to the police state like a Black Lives Matter shirt twerking and slapping a bare ass, does it? There's an incredibly racist quote that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin your show with about <laughs> that specific scenario. Uh -huh. So we'll just we'll leave it at that. I think is enough. Well, my attitude on my attitude on the protest has changed significantly just in the space of about five seconds. I'm now pro protest. <laughs> I'm for the yes, protest. I think they should bring the water cannons back. I agree that, that my, my <laughs> mind has been changed significantly as well. <laughs> well, hey, wait, look at it this way. That way, it's not only twerking, it's a wet t-shirt contest at the same time. That's you true. Get, you get the best of both worlds in there. Can can we, can we I ask you your opinion? So as a former cop, right, and as a guy who follows this news and like you do a lot of this stuff on your show, just your first opening opinion about Chaz. And if you don't know what Chaz is in the chat... It's now the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, which was captured by uh, an, essentially an armed militia 
in downtown Seattle, which took over six blocks of Seattle. They won't let the police in. We had the police chief. We, we played the police chief last week on this show saying that rapes and robberies are occurring and we can't get to people. Uh, <laughs> what's and what's then, the problem? And then it's the mayor. More, it's, there's no cops, though. Everything's supposed to be better. I don't exactly. understand. But the mayor, the mayor <laughs> coming out on the same day, Tom, saying that everything's wonderful. We're going down there. We're having a little chat and a cup of coffee to make sure that everything's going sweet. Everybody's being protected. So it's completely, uh, it's completely manic depressive, the whole situation. But what's your take on it? Uh, well, the Chaz is uh, a, a <laughs> well, it's a, it's a glorious red pill to the normal person yeah. to see what, uh, <laughs> what defunding the police is actually going to be like in your daily life. Uh, the number of videos I've seen that come out daily now from that area are, are actually hilarious to me being so... Uh, black and broken inside <laughs> to me it's, it's it's like it's like the perfect vision of hypocrisy we're gonna we're gonna make this this little zone we're gonna kick all the police out we're gonna take it by force which for some reason no one's gonna do anything about by the way which i thought was terrorism if, mm. if we're gonna be clear I thought, I thought that's what that was called but yes. that's okay we're gonna let them keep that and they were immediately going to invent this group of people um that are going to enforce the borders around it with guns and that are going to uh, be a community force to uh, make sure people are being nice to each other. Uh, I think we can come up with a name for that, Boogie. What do you think? <laughs> you think there might be a name for a group of people like that? I don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, can we say, well, would it be a dictatorship? Can we say that? Uh, well, no, I think that group of people with the guns that are uh, keeping peace and order, maybe we should uh, call them the police. Oh, police. No, that I would mean, be I don't racist. think anyone's come up with this concept before. This might be new ground in the uh, chat. It's okay. Don't be alarmed <laughs> in the chat. Tom just mispronounced uh, community outreach support group. Oh, my bad. Yeah. That's right. I, I, you're right. My bad. So you, <laughs> you sent me this uh, Twitter thread with a few videos here. Uh, big dude with a pretty big looking gun. Don't know much about guns. Anyone know what kind this is? You're a firearms guy. What kind of gun is this, Tom? Well, I, I, it's kind of small for me on the screen now, but I had seen it before. It looks like an AR-15 with a big drum on it, which I thought oh. was illegal in Washington State now. Oh, really? <laughs> not over in the Chaz. I wonder if they have bump stocks out there in Chaz. Uh, well, no one's supposed to have those anywhere. They're supposed to have all been rounded up. But hey, I mean, it's the Chaz. Oh. You know, there's no law there. Why were they rounded up? Do whatever you want. Were they rounded up to protect the Second Amendment or...? Uh, no, Is that how it works? for reasons, oh, for reasons. the safety, you know, I feel so much safer now. Ah, I see. <laughs> okay, here's another video. So what had happened in these, yep. this, this is, this is their version of law and order now. Okay. So this is a, an auto shop. <laughs> is this guy, hang on, is this guy wandering around with a bottle of, I, I can only assume to be, uh, <laughs> looted champagne. <laughs> Fortified wine from the gas station. Are we gonna? But what what, it, what what has happened is a person has broken into this auto shop, which is right on the corner of where the Chaz is, like ah. right at the right at the edge, and they set fire to part of the building. Mm. And so, in response to that, the owners uh, detained the person, put the fire out, and kicked him out because they couldn't get the police or the fire department to show up. Right, because the and roads so now, are blocked. And, yeah, now in response to that, the people of the Chaz have decided that um, that detainment was was not justified for some reason. <laughs> so now they're going to tear this guy's business apart. Oh, and it's a big standoff for like five or six videos. Good. Excellent. Yeah, so this, this old white dude, that's the business owner. Right. He looks very calm, to be honest with you. 
Oh, because there's another guy behind him with a rifle and body armor on. Oh, good. That's why. <laughs> Gee, you know what, though? Like, when I look at all of these videos and I see, like, the business owners, like, I'm thinking Koreans on rooftops from the LA riots, you know what I mean? And, um, gee, it's only going to take one bullet, isn't it? In either direction. And this is this is going to melt down. I think it's like testament to the people who like own businesses and stuff that that hasn't happened yet. But if that if it ever got to that point, do you think that this would accelerate like tenfold in an hour? You know what I mean? The, oh, absolutely. The coverage would wouldn't it? They, <laughs> I mean, because right now we have like the 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 reports and the news article like. <clears throat> the New York Times referred to Chaz as the mecca for racial equality or some shit, right? So if <laughs> it's ridiculous, but if just say one bullet went in the wrong direction and hit somebody, I think that the entirety of the, like they, the, the news reporters and stuff wouldn't be able to contain it at that point, right? Or am well, I it's wrong? like Kent State now. So like, even if it didn't hit anybody, even just the sound of a, of a gunshot in a crowd of people like that, will immediately it just entice the right. entice just an actual firefight in the streets yep <laughs> it would be a bloodbath uh one of the men involved in the local business said someone broke in and lit the place on fire the person left he told the mob the man added that his heart is broken for every person in america bro you can't have a broken heart this is about racial equality so oh, that's the guy with the rifle though <laughs> he oh, can have whatever he wants <laughs> that's why he has the rifle uh, <laughs> some protesters tried to keep the mob at bay as a de-escalation person tried to talk. So they have now uh, negotiators working in Chaz. I didn't know. Well, yeah, you had to have some kind of something, I suppose. <laughs> it's either that or we'll just burn every business down. Is he a local rapper as well? or He might be a rival warlord at this point. I'm uh... not sure. I can't be certain. So he's outside Chaz's territory, this guy. Is that correct? He's like right on the border. Like this is like right... Right on the fence, I guess, of where the Chaz is. Okay, so if, but if he's right outside, if he's right outside the border, is this not an invasion of America? <laughs> <laughs> In theory, a sovereign nation uh, would be invading American territory. Not that they already didn't do that to establish the Chaz. Sure. Well, <laughs> right? no, no, but, that, no, see, that's different, though. Because they were within the borders when it happened, that's called an insurgency, you see. Ah, uh, technicality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That be, that's a, So that's a civil war scenario, meaning that the rest of the global community, in theory, shouldn't be allowed to intervene in insurgencies, right? But now yeah, that... Yeah, because we never do that in America. Of course. Ever. Never, ever. <laughs> Not a single time. <laughs> so, but because the insurgency established their own state, and now that state has gone into the sovereign territory of another country, all of a sudden, now this is an international incident. So now I think Donald Trump should get out there like on at the late at the next press conference and say well you know we've got together a coalition of the willing uh we've got Fiji we've got Poland we've got Australia we've got a whole bunch of little countries we're going to line them up around Chaz we're going to smoke these assholes out we're going to siege these motherfuckers until they give up the sovereign land that was for the people of Seattle like now now's <laughs> the opportunity to actually do something now I can get you could defeat done. Chaz by yourself in an hour. Like, if you just knock down one cell phone tower... Defeat Chaz. <laughs> I, think, I think the Chaz would dissolve in a matter of minutes. <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> I, this is like... We're joking about this, right? But this is legitimately the wildest thing that I've ever seen in, like, what, 25 years of watching politics? 
at least <laughs> oh, yeah this is crazy this is a level of insanity no one ever thought possible and yet no. here we are no, and, have an autonomous state in a major city right and but the most insane thing to me is the way that everybody's just like yeah like if that doesn't show you how insane everything else like it shows how insane life is in general like it's I, I understand that people are very mm, single-minded and single-focused and like, you know what? Everything's going great. We're winning. Uh, this is fantastic, right? But it's not, it's really not true because if some, if an armed militia taking over a section of a city is treated like, yeah, whatever, it's not a big deal. That shows how crazy everything else is. Do you, is that, do you think that's fair or not? Well, well, the tolerance and apathy are the the final virtues of a dying society, Boogie. I will remind you right. <laughs> that's that's a literal quote from I think it was Aristotle or some other Greek uh, yep. philosopher. But yeah, that's that's where we're at. If if, if tolerance and apathy isn't uh, looking the other way when an armed militia takes control of right. a major city, yeah. I don't know what is. It's incredible to me. Have a listen to this. I got this from the Nation. You know the Nation uh, if you're a political watcher. Uh, they're very pff, consistent when it comes to hot takes. Have a listen to this. The violence didn't start with the protest. Violence has been a constant throughout American history and is woven through countless American systems today, right? Listen to this, man. Well, that's, that's, that's actually a true statement. <laughs> What's the take going to be? <laughs> this is fucking amazing. Again and again, protesters demanding an end to police brutality have been met with brutality by the police. Is that what you call kneeling in the street? <laughs> yeah, is that what you call taking rocks and bottles and not actually shooting at anybody? Is that what you call <laughs> is that what you call vacating six blocks of Seattle and like running away because quote, the police chief said, quote, they were yelling at us. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, not joking. the yelling. Yeah. Uh, but words are hurt. Words can hurt you. We've established that. The videos of law enforcement being unlawfully violent. And, like, I'm not a back-the-blue guy. Don't get me wrong. Like, we have smashed the police over the last couple of months here on this show in regards to uh, heavy-handed policing of the lockdown protesters, right? Or just people walking around on the fucking beach. You know, somebody having a picnic can be dragged. Oh, yeah, I and, covered that, too. Right? <laughs> on my show. But that's, that's the thing that's getting people uh, pissed right now is the fact that you can be having a picnic and be handcuffed and dragged away, but somebody throwing a brick through the window, the AG of New York comes out and says, we're not going to charge anybody because we believe in the fight that they're doing. It's fucking insanity, man. Uh, well, that would be uh, politicizing. Ah, yeah. <laughs> politicizing the law, which in and of itself would be uh, a telltale sign yes. uh, that the law and order does not actually exist at all. It is no longer the rule of law <laughs> Correct. because it is now subjective, making it the rule of man. Whoever's in uh, power now gets to decide what the actual rule is. Well, why have laws at all, though? Let's be honest here. Why, why even bother? Well, <laughs> laws are very at racist, point, Tom. At this point, I don't, if you go to the Chaz, you don't have any laws. <laughs> so there you go. You have mob rule, which is the way it's supposed to be. Uh, the videos of law enforcement being unlawfully violent, including footage of cops in Buffalo pushing a 75-year-old white man to the ground and then falsely reporting that he tripped and fell, has proved what black folks and other marginalized... I hate this folks, this folks shit. Like, what is this, 1872? You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's a lot of good folks out there, a lot of black folks. That's an Obamaism. 
uh, and other marginalized well, I, yeah, you communities. Yeah, you could make that a really racial epithet if you wanted to <laughs> you put, some, put some Southern slang on that, folks. I'm not going to do it. But. <laughs> <laughs> Let your imagination run wild in the chat. Uh, and other marginalized communities have been saying for as long as policing has, has existed in this country. I made that point on this show where you had a whole bunch of lockdown protesters and people who were getting arrested and harassed by police for just walking around. I, I said on this show, jump on black Twitter. And they're like, damn, you white fools. This is what we've been fucking talking about for the last 30 years. You know what I mean? This is what I've been talking about for the last 50 years. Motherfucker, be up all in your grill. You're just walking down the street, mind your own fucking business. Man, look at all these white fools starting to get pissed now. Ain't that the th- ain't that darndest thing? You know what I you mean? You literally made the accent I was trying not to make earlier <laughs> when saying the word folks, but that's okay. <laughs> Listen to this. Cops not only lie about the harm they inflict on people, they lie frequently and brazenly, even when there is solid proof to the contrary. Weeks of witnessing rampant law enforcement violence has finally succeeded in mainstreaming the idea of police abolition. Finally succeeded. Mainstreaming the idea of abolishing the police, Tom. Something that seemed unthinkable and which many suggested was laughable even a couple of months ago. No, no, no. They still think it's laughable, darling. You don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, that hasn't changed. No. It's just that now if you disagree, uh, they burn down the Wendy's. (laughs) Not the Wendy's. Not the Wendy's. (laughs) We're on your side. (laughs) No, we're on your side. No. (laughs) Have a listen to this, Tom. And yet, against this backdrop of wanton police abuse, there has been no lack of pearl clutching about the supposed violence of the protest. It's just supposed. It's not real. Yeah, you know, like, I think all of (laughs) Minneapolis is now a pile of ashes. But the supposed violence... Yeah, <laughs> this is, is being highlighted now. Now, you have to put this, if you were listening to the show last week and we covered that story where the reporters and the newsrooms were actively gloating about the fact that they're no, they're no longer objective. They're no longer holding to traditional journalistic standards. And we're not talking about opinion pieces. We're talking about like uh, reporters on the ground are now marching with protesters as activists and uh, reporting it in a spin way and openly gloating about it because they want to be agents of change. Have a listen to this next little bit, Tom, and tell me what you think. This is fucking incredible. The the fact that they are now openly saying this stuff is what gets me. These critiques seem to rest on the idea that civilian attacks against big box retail outlets, luxury boutiques, and other inanimate objects are somehow commensurate with the state-funded violence by armed officers against actual black bodies. And then it's in, in brackets, Tom. Yes, some small businesses were struck too, but it's critical that we not allow those targeting them to derail attention from the racialized policing. <laughs> well, I have uh, had s- actually just this week on, on my show on Sunday, I had uh, several videos in a row of uh, what is actually happening on the streets of major cities. And what you will find is um, every single business on the street is being hit at the same time. Yep. Uh, this, is, this is not, hey, let's go only hit the Gucci store. Or let's oh let's only get the Seven Eleven. It's let's smash every window we can see in the next five miles of this march yep. and take everything around it. <laughs> yeah, I, I played a video on my show a few weeks ago. Uh, as people were running into the store, there's a guy standing out the front of the store with an earpiece in, going waving them in. This one, hit this one now, like waving the looters into that particular store, like directing fucking traffic. Well, there was the guy that was um that was paying them in uh, Minneapolis. Yeah. It was like some white kid in a hoodie, like giving them cash for bail money later. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> when they got I got arrested finally. Uh, follow Q with the diamond. Thank you for the diamond. Says Chaz is the 2020 version of Lord of the Flies. So follow Q sent me this video. I want to show you this and see what you think I would about disagree. it. I would say it's the 2020 version of Animal Farm. <laughs> <laughs> much better. Much some more animals accurate. are in fact more equal than others in the chat. <laughs> much more accurate. Now I don't know who this person is, but this person is giving commentary on the Seattle situation. And again, if you need any further examples of just how fucked the average person is, have a look at this, Tom. Hello, users, and welcome back to Above It All, your favorite internet show from your favorite it's internet not my show. Favorite. It, it, it may become my just favorite. Just so we're clear. <laughs> it may become my favorite in a couple of minutes, though. <laughs> like, Let's give her a chance. Huh? Let's give them a chance. I'll be safe. Person. That's me. Anyway, so this happened last night uh, and this morning. So last night when I went to bed, Thank you for coming. I saw reports that the East Precinct in Seattle was being abandoned. They took everything of value out, they boarded it up, and they basically said, all right, there's nothing we can do here. Now, I assume that they were doing that with the intent to have protesters set it on fire and then talk about how, like, there's chaos and civil unrest. But you know what they did instead? <laughs> what did they I do? Assume. What they did was they, f they created... An autonomous zone around the police department. And if you don't know what an autonomous... I just want to show you that image there that I just caught a, a quick flash of. Created an autonomous zone that she scrolled around the... That uh, they scrolled past very quickly here. Because I think they saw amnesty for all looters, rioters, and protesters. Oh, good. <laughs> yep. How nice. Justice. Justice, Tom. And if you don't know what an autonomous zone is, oh, an autonomous... You probably, if you don't know what an autonomous, uh, autonomous zone is, you probably have never met Winston Churchill either. Let's be honest. Zone essentially means <laughs> we do not live Winston in the United Churchill. States of America. We live in our own, you know, call it a country. It's a it, it, Call it a country. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you. I dare you to call it a country. I like Our to country call it... is sustained whole or in part by being next to a prosperous country that you buy food from every day. I like to call it a happy place. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is it is a zone. It's you know, a zone. Yep. Well, that's, it's a not a state. There ah. is no government. It is an ah. autonomous zone. Yeah. There's a warlord now, though, so there is a government. <laughs> <That's>, well, <laughs> just, just so we're clear. I, I've been playing. I've been on a Civilization Six kick for the last few days, Tom. And so I guess we would call him a chieftain. I, yeah, it, mm. it, it's maybe not a functioning government as we would imagine it, but there is some kind of authority there. So we'll call him so chieftain. So what happened Raz. was... Donald Trump wasn't paying attention to the map when Seattle started the clamber for reform thing, and he didn't put enough units in there yes. to prevent it from turning over to its own city-state. That's Yeah, his, his loyalty bonus was way down in Seattle. Got it. <laughs> the cultural influence of China, which was right next to him, bled over and converted the city over to their right. territory. I think what happened is, because they're so close to the border, I think the Canadians culture-bombed Washington State. Ah, uh, okay. And then they've taken over that territory. Or they embedded a spy and turned them against them. Ming it operates by <laughs> They itself. sent a great scientist over there to yeah. steal their research points. Yeah. Oh, no, they sent Confucius. No, we don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to make it worse. From itself and within itself, okay? And I, I'm really – this is – this just makes me want to come. Like – Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Gets me going. Makes me want to come. Okay. Operates by itself, from itself, and within itself. Okay. And no, because it I, doesn't I, have any food. It doesn't have any gasoline for its generators. There's no heavy industry. It doesn't have any of the natural resources it needs to sustain itself. It gets all of that from the places around it. Yeah, they need to. <laughs> they need to create a builder unit and go out there and start turning uh, grasslands into farms and housing and shit, right? In order to get yeah, they that need to build a windmill up. on the outside of the town. That Correct. way, they can get a bonus for agriculture. Really, is- they can't get a harbor though because they're at least three tiles away from the coast. Oh, that's a shame. So they're gonna you gotta out. have that. Yeah. Oh, you need a harbor. This... That's a big trade bonus. You gotta have a harbor. That's right. And it's a three uh housing bonus for building a city next to the coast as well. I don't know and then you can build the fishing boats to get the fish tiles. That's right. See, that's... But then you gotta be worried about the battleships and the ironclads bombing you from the from the side, you know. So you gotta have your own little galleys running around at least to run a little bit of cover out there. See, they haven't thought this through. <laughs> <laughs> Just makes me want to come. Like nice. you know, it when I see this, when <laughs> nice. I saw that many you know what I love most about this stuff, Tom? And this is something that I would say to, like... Because I've had friends. I still do have friends. I've had friends in my life who are, like, legitimate communists. And I don't mean communists like this person here, who is, like, obviously upper middle class Antifa flag. Um, I would suspect in a picket line situation wouldn't be able to hold their own. Like, they're not going to kick the shit out of the... Um, the scabs, right? They're not going to kick the shit out of the security guards. They're going to sit there and cry and piss themselves. So yeah, these aren't revolutionaries. These are no. these are what we like to call coffee house communists, where exactly. they assume that after the revolution, they'll be the nineteenth uh, uniform designer for the new revolutionary guard army. <laughs> right? And they won't end up in the coal mine. It I'll, won't be them. I'll It'll be somebody the, else. <laughs> I'll work the social media page for the revolution. <laughs> No, you won't. Um, so this is tr- something I've tried to explain. So legitimate communists laugh at you. Like if you're this person doing this video, legitimate communists don't want you. Uh, legitimate communists love guns and they are nationalists. Like I, I don't know how to explain this to you. A real communist loves guns. They just don't want you to have guns. And a real communist loves nationalism. They just don't like your brand of nationalism. Uh, these people don't get this stuff. And I've tried to explain like, uh, no, no, no. Communism is the proletariat. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, who do you think the proletariat is? And they're like, oh, the people who are oppressed, you know, like, so the trans and the gays. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're, no, the, no, bourge- no. you're the bourgeoisie. <laughs> you're the upper middle class college educated um, going to, you know, cafes and fancy restaurants. You're the bourgeoisie. You're the ones that the proletariat drag into the street and shoot. Like, you're the enemy to them, right? They want what you have. You're the idiot here who thinks yeah, that you're it's the about person you. that can afford. Yeah, you could afford the the your Simon surgery. You had that kind of money. <laughs> you're, right? you're you're the person who who had the luxury of not wondering uh, <laughs> if if they were going to be able to live their life without that ability to do that. <laughs> the Correct. peasants are the people that come to you and take what you have. Exactly. So you're the guys who get dragged out and dealt with. You're not on the same team. And, like, they don't understand it. It's like if you look through every communist revolution that's ever taken place, the educated people are the first ones put up against the wall. Like, every time. 
because you're seen as the enemy. You're seen as the sponges. You're seen as the bourgeoisie who's controlling all the fucking. Well, no, they're, they're, they're the second people because you need these people at first for this very reason. Because this was China in the right. '60s, right? It's almost exactly what's happening right now. You needed these educated young people um, to rebel against the system themselves so that we could destroy every establishment that was keeping the system afloat. We needed those young people yeah. to undermine that system. But once that's over, the thugs once, take once over. that's done with, then it's your turn. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's when the burly um, blue-collar thugs, were like who you know can bench press uh, 200 pounds, that's when they take over, right? The guys who, like, uh, you know, like I said, work in the blue-collar jobs for the shit money, who are like the downtrodden, that's when they take, and they're like, why are we taking orders from these, um, you know, androgynous fucking activists on Twitter? <laughs> why are we letting them tell us <laughs> yeah, what to well, do? Let's you don't even have calluses on your hands. What do you know? <laughs> exactly. What do you know? There's a famous story about um, Karl Marx. His biggest rival at the time was a Russian guy who was a factory worker. So when, when communism, when Marxism was coming to the fore, right? There was Karl Marx, the intellectual, like the economist, the political philosopher. And his big rival at the time was a blue collar guy who rose through the ranks and was seen as like a thought leader and a leader of the people and a leader of the revolution, the workers revolution, right? Karl Marx used to refer, I forget his name. I wish I could remember it. But Karl Marx used to refer to this guy as like an undereducated swill who has no right to be listened to because he didn't go to university. Like it, it's it, this, this, um, dichotomy in the like the far left realm has always been there right like the workers the 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 people like this the the upper educated bourgeoisie types think that they're doing it for the workers and the workers know that they're doing it for themselves like there's two totally different things taking place i'm trying to find i'm trying to find the quote because uh, yuri bezmanov almost said exactly what we're talking about like to the letter he was like no these people don't get it these these are useful idiots these people these people assume that once this is all over, they're going to be the ones in power. They're going to be the ones, like I said, that are going to be the, the new uniform designer. They're going to be the people that are going to be the uh, the jazz ensemblist. <laughs> they're going to get to do whatever they want when this is over with. No, 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 no. What you do is propel the strong men up to the front. And then when they get there, they don't want you anymore. <laughs> Once you you assume you get power, and then all of a sudden you realize you're not going to get anything out of this. In fact, they're going to take it from you <laughs> when they get there. Exactly. I've got. I think I've got the uh, clip here. I'll play it for you. My father was. He's on the left here. My father was officer of the general staff of the Soviet army. He was inspector of land forces, Soviet troops stationed in countries like Mongolia, Cuba, East European countries. This is the picture taken at the entrance of my Institute of Oriental Languages. It's a part of Moscow State University. As every Soviet student, I was, quote unquote, volunteering for harvesting grain in Kazakhstan. By the end of my training in school, I was recruited by the KGB. This picture was taken on that day, and you can see again how happy it feels to be recruited <laughs> by the KGB. <laughs> Pay special attention to number of bottles on the table. One of my functions was to keep foreign guests permanently intoxicated the moment they land <laughs> at Moscow airport. In 1967, the KGB attached me to this magazine, Look Magazine. A group of 12 people arrived to USSR from the United States to cover the 50th anniversary of October Socialist Revolution in my country. Okay, that's not the quote I was looking for, but I know. No, I have it pulled up. I can read it for you. Okay, uh, go for but it. 
But the funny thing about this one you're showing is, does this remind you of anybody's honeymoon that last name might be Sanders? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. It's almost exactly what happened to Bernie Sanders in the 80s. Yeah. To the T. Permanent intoxic- <laughs> intoxication as well for Bernie. <laughs> exactly. Dancing with your shirt off and all the whole nine yards. Correct. Uh, so anyway, Yuri Bezmanov says, you see, the useful idiots, the leftists who are idealistically believing in the beauty of Soviet socialist or communism or whatever system they believe in. When they get di- disillusioned, they become the worst enemies. That is why the KGB instructors specifically made a point never to bother with them. Forget these political prostitutes. You left us in the United States, all these professors and all their beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are no, no longer needed. Yep. They know too much. Some of them, when they see that Marxist-Leninism has actually come to power, obviously they get offended. They think that it is their turn to come to power, but that will never happen. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. <laughs> <laughs> Based Yuri Bezmenov, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Full Bezmenov posting here on Boogie's, uh, the Daily Boogie Show. <laughs> Telling you how it is. Let's go back to one of our useful idiots. Um, <clears throat> and the term, uh, there's a Russian word for it. A Russian speaker actually told me this, and I forget the Russian word, because Russian is a terrible language. Uh, But they referred to the American leftists during the Cold War. The English translation is shitheads. Like, that's the word for, like... Well, the Chinese have a baizo now, which is, like, white leftist. That's what it means. It's an insult. That's their SJW. Same thing. Minneapolis. The city of Minneapolis was commandeering empty hotels to have homeless people in there. I was thinking, an autonomous zone... In Minneapolis, is it gives people the incentive. Oh, I'm homeless. I didn't have a house. You know? I didn't have anywhere to live. I was sleeping on the street. And then all of a sudden, the police leave, right? And then people say, okay, we just cleared out a hotel. And the- <laughs> They really don't think he, this through, do Here's they? the problem, though. <laughs> That's a great thought, but... In the process of getting rid of the police, we burned all the surrounding businesses to the ground. <laughs> so now they don't have anywhere left. Now, that's a everybody's, hotel now everybody's homeless, Tom. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> and they're giving me a place to stay. That gives people a vested interest in keeping the autonomous state of that zone. You know, And I was thinking, that's just amazing. It's amazing. And they're doing it in Seattle. I know, look, this is so frustrating because they just, it's like they just don't understand basic human behavior, right? So this is going to be like. They're learning very rapidly. They they are. I can tell you that much. They're getting reality checks. Um, uh, I know somebody, very close to somebody who's, this is an Australian story, right? But it, it still applies here. So the Aboriginals who live like, like. The Aboriginals who live like Aboriginals lived thousands of years ago in Australia, right? Um, decades ago, the government had this great idea. Hey, why don't we go out there and build them all houses? We'll build them houses. We'll, we'll make ourselves feel better. Uh, it'll be virtue signaling. We can say that we're building their communities, blah, 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 blah. But they don't get that the people out there don't want that stuff. Like, they don't want to live like Westerners. That's why they're out there in the first place. They could, like through education and stuff and, you know, uh, ingratiate themselves into, like, our lifestyle. But they don't want that. So they would go out there. This person that I spoke to, who's very close to me, did this. He's told me firsthand these stories. He said it was a great job for, like, 10 years because we would just go out there and do the same thing over and over again. So 
they would go out there and build a house and then a month later they were just doing a constant circulation, right? A month later they'd have to go back out to the same house because they'd rip the doors off and burn them. Or they'd build a fire. <laughs> they'd build a fire in the lounge room and like started tearing shit off the walls to burn it to keep warm at night. And they were saying like, no, 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 you just close the doors and like turn the heater on and stuff. And they would just rip everything apart and burn it in big bonfires. So it was a scam. It's a scam. The politicians get to score points by saying, oh, we're building these communities. The companies who are paid to go out there and build the houses get paid to go out there and build the houses. They get a nice big fat government grant and it's an endless job cycle because the people out there don't want it. And they'll just, like I said, they'll, they'll burn the furniture. Because like to, in a fire, they like they, they they didn't pay for it. They don't care. You know what I mean? Hey, you know who paid for it though, Boogie? Yeah. You paid for yeah, it with you. your taxes. Exactly. <laughs> so if you look at like the Chaz Autonomous Zone, this fucking idiot here is talking about this makes this makes them come. They're so excited about this, and it's like, oh, there's an incentive there for the people in the autonomous zone to like you know look after it and keep it good. Look at look at the state of the place. Look at it. It yeah, already there's graffiti looks like all a over everything. There's trash everywhere. <laughs> it's been, like a, week. At some it's point... been a week, Tom. <laughs> it's already destroyed. <laughs> they are enforcing, reinforcing the borders, though. I just saw somewhere that they're putting up like metal fences now. Oh, good. So... Good. Uh, see, Fascist Tippy in the chat, who's a fellow Aussie bro, says, This is a true story. I know a mate who did the same thing. Yeah, so I'm not making it up. Like, this isn't conspiracy. This happens. So. I was thinking, no, that's I just believe amazing. You. Yeah. It's amazing. And they're doing it in Seattle. So I don't know how long this is going to last, but. Hopefully forever. <laughs> yes. If I have a place like that, uh, as far away from that, uh, for me, as that is, it's, it's the perfect distance. It's literally as far away in the United States as it could possibly be. If you could keep that over there and every day I could pull up Twitter and just see how laughable what you're doing is, that sounds great. <laughs> we could keep that going. I'm, I'm all for it. I love this. <laughs> Look, these people brainwash themselves. You can get so much just out of this little graphic. Okay. So if you look at the little graphic, there's green, it's nice and bright, and it says the Capitol Hill Free Zone protester occupied Seattle, okay? Now look over here in the right-hand side, regime occupied Safeway. <laughs> yes, yes, the American regime. The regime. The, the enemy forces have occupied it, occupied the Safeway. Yeah, and on the left-hand side, <laughs> regime encampment. <laughs> and this looks like a map from, like, Call of Duty. That's what this looks like. Oh, that's the regime zone over there. Yeah. You know, we got a capture point A over there. We got to get to it. It's like Hitman. It's like, Agent 47, you are to make your way to the regime-occupied Safeway where the police are holed up. The radical free uh, protesters are starting to make their way towards the Capitol building. <laughs> uh, this is a nice little photo thread here. You know, you're entering free Capitol Hill. It is... They, they have put signs around. They have put barricades around. They're putting markings all over the place. This is no longer in the United States of America. And this is what I was talking about weeks ago. What were ago. you talking about? I was saying what yep. I want to see out of this yep. is not states. I was uh. on um, a show uh, mm. called Not Safe for mm. Wonks, and we were having a not discussion safe for wonks, yep. about you know, what could me. possibly happen. Could the United States— <laughs> No, wonks. Wonks. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> into multiple states. Could it, you know, you know, balkanize and so forth? My thing was state lines don't mean anything. I think the uh, okay march march into uh, Jerusalem then without a passport. 
Yeah, why don't you go ahead and commit a crime on one side of a line and then go commit a crime on the other side of the line and then you get to talk to the federal agents. Right. <laughs> and then you get to talk to the big swinging dicks in charge. That's the thing. People people like this, I think, fall into the trap of mistaking idealism for practical reality. So, like, they, they're kind of like, it's like saying the Constitution is just a piece of paper. It is. It is just a piece of paper. But... It's more than that because people believe it's more than that. And state lines, right, fair enough. This person's right. They are, they're not real. They are man-made. They are manufactured. But they're real in the sense that people believe in them and enforce them. Now, you can think that it's not real and it doesn't really matter, but when the bullet goes through your heart when you try to invade another state line, it becomes very real very quickly, right? Right. (laughs) <laughs> yes it does so like, it's all well and good to have like the ideals and the lofty ideas and like well it's not real it's like okay act on that unreal it's like saying that death isn't real it's like okay we'll jump in front of a train then you know i'm glad that um i'm glad that we're finally by this person's logic just going to totally get rid of the dmz in korea <laughs> <laughs> so the lines don't matter anymore so just, we're just going to push that out of the way just saunter across the dmz hey it's not even a thing <laughs> Yeah, this isn't a real line. What are you talking about? (laughs) City lines are the most, like, those are the things that are in play. And not even really city lines, as this is a zone within a city, right? (laughs) If we start seeing, like, Minneapolis, right? They have a semi-autonomous zone. This is a great clip. Follow Q sent this clip, by the way. Thank you so much. I haven't watched it yet. This is a great clip. Moment? Seattle at this moment has a semi-autonomous zone. Obviously, the police or the military could come in and kill everyone if they wanted to. But <laughs> then it becomes very real. <laughs> <laughs> that imaginary line you made suddenly. It's just a very real line to you. <laughs> it's like that thing. And then the police and the military entered the autonomous zone. <laughs> That's on them. The police right? have if entered the chat. They're not going to do that then. They're not going to do that, right? Like, that's the thing, is calling their bluff. And that's what I love. Uh, if the police and the military want to come in here and kill thousands of there's people... There's one thing I've learned about any part of the government uh, over the years, is that one thing you never want to do... <laughs> call their bluff. attempt to call their bluff. Because let me tell you, you might get away with it a couple times, yeah. but eventually the one time that you're wrong, it's really not going to be pretty. It's really not going to go well for you. <laughs> yeah, especially with places like, say, the IRS, for example. Don't call their bluff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they don't bluff. They don't bluff. They always have all the cards. Watch all that the thing time. that be the thing that brings the Chaz down. Watch <laughs> them get all these donations together. Like, like someone comes in and swipes their books off a table because yeah. you know they're not paying attention to them anyway. And it'd be like <laughs> <laughs> brings them down. They'll give Raz. They'll give Raz the Capone treatment. <laughs> Tax evader, motherfucker. So it says here you got six million dollars donations last month, huh? So where's the taxes from this? <laughs> we got his bookkeeper, and his bookkeeper will look like this person on the left. <laughs> it will be this person, literally. All means, see what happens. Fuck around and find out. Fuck around and find out. Yeah, that worked out great for that Koresh guy. <laughs> you fucked around and he found out. That's a really good point, actually. So uh, I, su- I suspect then that the anti-fascist types must really support uh, the Bundys, like when they were holed up on their land, right, and the government was fucking them. They must really support uh, David Koresh, right? Like, free citizen. It's my land. It's an autonomous zone. You can't do anything here. I guess they really Yeah, that, that was actually, uh, compared to this, uh, 
a the legitimate cons- had a, a literal autonomous zone. <laughs> like they didn't need anybody else yep. <laughs> for anything. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not conflating like the Bundy Ranch with the um with David Koresh by any stretch of the imagination, but like it's the similar thing. So like the Bundy story, like Ben K Veritas in the chat is all over this. They're the guys who were in the national park, I think, from uh, from memory. And the government was like, well, we're just going to move you out. And they're like, this is our private property. You can't fucking do that. Like, this, this belongs to us. So they stood in there with guns, and one of them ended up getting fucking killed for it. He got shot in the back by uh, an FBI agent, if I'm not mistaken. And a couple of them yeah, went to getting prison. out of a car. You can actually still see that, I think, on maybe YouTube, but definitely LiveLeak. There's, there's still footage of that out there. Yeah, so Antifa must be in all of in full support of that, right? Oh, of course. Except not. <laughs> Except not at all. <laughs> you would think so, but not. <laughs> but this is one of the things where, again, if they can create an autonomous zone, what they can do is they can commandeer hotels, have homeless people be housed, right? Have people from all around Seattle that are homeless go to this autonomous zone, say, you know what? I like it here. Thank you. You're saving my life. That's going to create community solidarity. <laughs> The FBI is salivating over this piece of video tape. Oh, so you want to commit a federal statewide crime spree? Huh? <laughs> Which hotels are you planning on commandeering first? Just so we know. I, I, Just, you know <laughs> so we can stay away from you while you do it. You know, we don't want to get in your way. This is tragic to me because uh, I don't think this person understands like the meaning of homeless. Uh, no, no, no. They're homeless because they have no community solidarity, right? Like they, they will just like kind of go from place to place and sleep where they want and pee where they want. Like the sense of community for the homeless person only extends to the other homeless people. They don't care about your building. Like, you know, they don't care about your house. That's why they're homeless in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's a whole bunch of other reasons. But of course, like, you know, you get my point here, right? Like community, we're going to bring in a whole bunch of homeless people from all around the country, and this will cre- create community solidarity. It doesn't work that way. Actually, to conflate this with your story about building the uh, Aborigines houses, um, there was, I don't, I don't have it here. I probably couldn't find it if I tried. But there was a... Um, series of pictures of a hotel in the Minneapolis riots that mm-hmm. the homeless were staying in. And let me tell you, it looked exactly like the outside of the street here in the chest. They tore it apart mm-hmm. from one end to the other. Yep. They ripped the doors off the hinges. They punched holes in the drywall. So that's, that's apparently well, I, I've, what, the, what I've, it's going to end up like. I've known of homeless people committing crimes just to get like a bed and three meals a day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? So, like, there's no incentive uh, for, like, community solidarity. Uh, Jim Enward in the chat says, have been homeless before, can confirm. I just need to point out, uh, whoever made that sticker of Boogie Stan, that's fucking fantastic. Look at that. We've got our black flag in the chat on D-Live. <laughs> is, it, is it Boogie Stan or Boganistan? I don't know. <laughs> Boganistan. <laughs> that would be <laughs> Boganistan has a better ring to it, actually. Right. And, again, the state can crush this at any moment, Right. But if they do, there are going to be consequences, right? That's the Yeah, thing. you're going to go to jail. That's what the consequences are going to be. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, they really don't give a fuck about what you want. It'll, it'll be like, <laughs> welcome to our world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when we think we're standing up to the government, we just end up getting ass raped. Thank you very much, Mr. <laughs> government. Is this is creating a situation where people have a vested interest in maintaining the autonomous zone? Do, 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 uh... Does this person the really? The reason they have this, a vested interest. They really is believe you've. 
they really believe this is going to last forever. But yeah, the reason <laughs> they have a vested interest to maintain it now is because the option now that you've created for them is jail. <laughs> you either, if you were going to stand your ground here, eventually you're going to be arrested. That's right. Like, you know, I'm the black shirt wearing liberty. I think you're sympathetic to libertarian views, like with all the Ron Paul stuff that you post. You might not be a libertarian, but you're definitely, I think you're on the side of individual freedom. Is that a fair thing? I actually, I voted libertarian a couple times. I, I, I have a lot of libertarian leanings, but the LP party in America at least is, is terrible. just destroyed. It's done. <laughs> after la- after last election, don't. It's, Holy it's, it's, it's shit! Ooh. Holy shit! We got a Ninja Gini winning TV. Dropping Gini on us says, "Holy shit, Kimmy made that sticker. Well done, Kimmy. It's still not going to oh, get wow. you. It's still not going to earn you the spot as the minister for fun in the kingdom. But you are. The- oh, that's, there was a bribe. <laughs> it's actually legal in, in Boogestan. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to lock her in the tower now forever. Uh, you'll be up there with Rudolf Hess." You could talk. I'm sure you'll have plenty to talk about. <laughs> I, lo- I love the term autonomous zone, by the way. It's just, I don't know. It sounds badass. It has a Z in it. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it has a Z in it, Boogie. It has a it's Z great. in it. <laughs> it's badass. It's Z. got a Z. Zs are one of those letters. They're like Ts and Ks. Like, you know, they're very cool. They're cool letters, man. They make things sound better. Don't you think? This literally is the person I described. I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the one that choreographs the the musical every year for the, for the people at the at the square. That's gonna be me. I need, uh, my my whole job. I need to hear that again. Like this again. But this is what we're talking about, right? The the fucking factory worker who's two hundred pounds of pure muscle, who's dumb as dog shit, who's just yeah, who like, works eighty hours a week, just yeah. Breaking rocks with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> it's whole, this whole week. Yeah, he's not impressed by your wordsmith. You know, like he's not impressed by your use of language to say, "Wow, autonomous zone sounds so cool." It's got a Z in it. He's like, "Huh? What?" He's like, "Um, why don't I just fucking beat you over the head with this fucking baseball bat and take your factory? Because you know, like we've been working really hard and stuff. Like that, that's that's what you're." They think they're on the same side, but they're not on the same side. I've had a communist legit tell me to my face, a friend of mine, because I'm obviously not a communist, um, but I'm still a blue-collar worker nonetheless. I've had a legit blue-collar worker communist friend of mine say, when we will take over, it's sad, but we're going to have to shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, how can you shoot me? You're my friend. And they're like, we have to because you don't believe in it. We have to get rid of all the non-believers. That's the only way that we can make it work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only way that it works. If I have to force you to believe exactly. it. Otherwise, yeah. there's consequences. Exactly. I have a vested interest in maintaining. See, what would they do with the people in Chaz who don't believe in the, in the movement? What happens to them? Uh, well, there's a harbor nearby. I assume they'll just tie bricks to them and toss them off the side of the, <laughs> of the seawall. No, 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 no. That would be polluting the ocean, Tom. We can't have that. Oh, well, they don't care about that, though. Remember, nah. they don't care about the environmental crap. They don't <laughs> please, they bother them at Please all. remove any plastics from your person before we toss you into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> the autonomous... We wouldn't want the sharks to choke on your <laughs> on your fucking Coke bottle in your pocket. Zone. I, lo- I love the term autonomous zone, by the way. It's just, I don't know, it sounds badass. It has yeah. a Z in it. You know, Z is a good letter. Um, <laughs> but like, it's one of those things where, again... It has a Z in it, though. 
got a Z. I know. I wonder if I can figure out how to put a Z in the name on my channel. I'll have to. <laughs> if it was called the Autonomous Region, I wouldn't be in favour of it. But it's the zone, so it's like, it's oh, that zone. changes everything. It's like the danger zone. It's badass. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not under the purview of the United States government, all of a sudden, life is way better. All of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Look, why don't you tell it to somebody in Zimbabwe? <laughs> Let me know how that works out for you. I, I don't know how to explain this to this lovely young person. I'm sure they're very lovely, Tom. I'm sure. Side note, company. also, you should like Zimbabwe. It's got a Z in it. Yeah. Side view, Side note: As long as you are considered an American citizen in America, in an American city, you are still under the purview of the American government. I don't know how to explain this to you. <laughs> like, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> You, you'll have to leave the United States. Just declaring an autonomous zone isn't like it doesn't get the job done. It doesn't bring home the biscuits. You know, you have to go the next step. You have to fucking leave. See, they, they should have went full sea land because if they went full sea exactly. land, they would be out of the contiguous borders of the United States. Exactly. And sea land, they defended sea land with their lives, you'll remember. The, the English government tried to invade Sealand and they and they scared Several them off times. with one gun. <laughs> exactly. Got somewhere to fucking sleep at night. All of a sudden, you've got food for your family. All of it, like all, of, and that's a where is this food coming from? The looted Safeway? <laughs> uh, uh, no, they have the garden. Remember, they're, ah. they're they're making enough food for like a salad for four people every one month. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, when people start realizing, right, all across the country, it's like, oh. Smoky Bear in the chat says something that, you know, I just want to push back a little bit on. I get your point and I get the sentiment, but I don't think you, you've considered all the options here. Something about the US boogie, all of the leftists are already physically surrounded. If they pull this shit on a larger scale, they will. And I think he's going to say, like, they will be wiped out, blah, 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 blah. Um, be surrounded by real guns, have their power, fuel, and food cut off. But you have to understand the point is not to, like, it's not the point to uh, win the civil war. It's to create chaos. So you can say that uh, they're already surrounded. They'll have their food cut off. They'll have their fuel cut off. Yeah, that's the point. The cities where all of the lefties live, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of them will become ungovernable, un uh, ungovernable which will sink the rest of the country too. Like that's the point, right? It's not about like, oh, the leftists versus the rightists, so we've got all the guns and they can't win a war and stuff. The war's not going to happen like that. It'll be like the main, the big cities will descend into chaos and that drags the rest of the country down until everywhere's chaos, right? Do, 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 do you think that's a fair point, Tom? Or? Well, to be fair, the Paris Commune was exactly like what he's describing and it, it, it didn't really end in total chaos, but it did end in a, a very very bloody war that lasted about two weeks right so either way it wasn't good it was really imagine, bad imagine a united states where new york uh la washington dc philadelphia seattle portland and another whole bunch of cities right all become uh ungovernable where like warlord situations break out no electricity no food no power no fuel the, the like the rural areas right they may be safe for a while and they may be okay for a while but you can't have like the main economic centers with the major centers of population just descend into chaos and think that everything's going to be okay right because that will that will drag the whole country into uh chaos itself right economic chaos 
um, production line chaos, logistical chaos, right? Everything, everything will be up for grabs at that point. And it all will of the literally be threats. All of the resources <laughs> will have to be spent in like trying to maintain order or recapture order. It, it will become a fucking shit show for everybody eventually. And that's the, that's the point of this, like this kind of uprising. It's not to win like a, uh, it's, it's from out of the chaos. Then they exert their order. They have to bring the country down first. You know, they don't take over and maintain like all of the systems and stuff. They destroy the system and then take over at the end of it. And the person who takes over <clears throat> might be like a fucking general or something. Like you might end up with a uh, left-wing military dictatorship at the end of it. A lot of people, like a lot of these uh, communist takeovers in the past, they thought that they were fighting for something else. And then when the military general takes over at the end, they realize, oh shit, this was about socialism the whole time. I had no fucking idea. Like a lot of people don't even think about it in political terms. You know what I mean? They just think oh, that guy's got something. I want it. Like that guy has food. I'm going to take it. Uh, that guy yeah, that's has what something. Happened in Venezuela. Shoot. That's exactly what happened in Venezuela. Exactly. Now they're eating zebras. <laughs> yeah, chaos is the goal, not takeover. Takeover comes after the chaos. Chaos is the point. You can just burn down a police department or not burn it down. You know, whichever one happens. You know, um, and then we can just create barricades around a few city blocks and then we can just do whatever we want and it's like this is happening in minneapolis this is happening in seattle what's next new york what's next dc there it You'd is there it love is to see that wouldn't you there this it is. is a thing that if this happens all across the country if we can have these autonomous zones that say i say, i told you i haven't seen this video i know the way these people think th survive for months it's possible Without a crackdown, right? It's possible that these areas could survive in this state for months. What if people started to migrate mm, to these no, autonomous they can't. zones? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they can't. I'm sorry. It's not going to last months. <laughs> it won't last months. No way. Now, if you, if it, if it, if it was in every major city and it was like ten times larger, then maybe you've got a discussion. Like then you've got a point. People always like to say that. Um, large numbers of people can overcome a government. Like, if you think about it, <clears throat> four guys, uh, a dozen guys with box cutters were able to drag America into a protracted war for 20 years, spending $5 trillion. You know, you can't tell me that didn't have a negative effect on the American economy, right? 12 guys with fucking box cutters did that. And, you know, they had a little help along the way, fair enough. But that's my point here, right? If all of the major cities end up descending into this like chaotic state, it's going to cost you one way or another. <laughs> like you're not going to get out of it scot free just because you live in like fucking Kansas or something. It doesn't work that no, way. No, but you'll get out scot free if you live in the Chaz, according to yeah. this. <laughs> fine, you'll <know? laughs> be with, fine. With because all the they're homeless people, whatever they want, they'll be fine there. With all the homeless people, that'll be great. <laughs> yes. The homeless people will be running the soup kitchen for the former police chief. <laughs> I might, you know, if I had the money, you know, if I had the money and a connection, I would say, all right, I'll move in, you know? And like, that's the thing. It's like, if it's an autonomous zone based on community solidarity, do I need to worry about finding a job? Do I need to worry about fucking paying rental fees? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, no, but you do need to worry about somebody stealing your things, which has apparently become a very big problem in the chat. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I don't want to keep you too long. I don't know how much time you've got, Tom. 
Uh, do you want to see this through this video through to the end, or do you want to call it quits? I don't want to keep you if you've got no, other it, things. It's up to you. Like I got nothing going on right now. Okay. So if, yeah, we could finish this out, and then we'll we can right. call it. There's a, a couple of minutes left. There's a couple of minutes left. We may as well we'll hear them out. Who knows? Maybe because yeah, is... I think Irrational Times is on tonight at nine, so oh, I'll be like he? perfect. It'll be a good segue. Perfect. I think so. Perfect. Well, we'll we're celebrating. Tom, you're you're on for the celebration of getting partner status. How about that? Yeah, you like that? Yeah, like I said, congratulations. Hopefully, I get um when I get to two hundred, they'll affiliate me. I haven't gotten an astrogram from D Live at all this whole time, so I should be okay. No, you're right because you say you you like you say what you're doing and you have the X tag on, don't you? Or do you do? You yeah, know? I have the X tag on. Yeah, so like I think they get upset when you like try to get around like the X tag rules and stuff. So. Well, they get upset with copyright stuff, which I don't do big time copyright stuff, mm -hmm. but I co-host Pessy and they, they hate Pessy. <laughs> they really hate Pessy. <laughs> Come on. Everybody hates Pessy. <laughs> well, I don't hate Pessy. Oh, a lot of people either. do, though. <laughs> really? No, nobody hates Pessy. Everybody loves Pessy. Come on now. Partner party. Fascist TV with a diamond. Partner party. It's a partner party here on DLive. Maybe I can just go there, help people out. You know, hand out food, you know, you know, fucking maybe organize some other, you know, events and protests and organize other things. And I'm good to go. And that's the thing is you don't need to. Uh, Smokey Bear in the chat says again, Boogie, I have to take into account the average IQ of societies. Venezuela is in the toilet at 76. The US is in 98. Yeah, but there's probably more people in the United States of a lower IQ than there is the entire population of Venezuela as well, though. Actually, if you look at the global IQ scale, you will find that in every other country, but I think China and Japan, it is a hard downward slope. Yeah. <laughs> To work at a McDonald's nine to five in order to subsist in a society. That's just what society wants you to think. They want you to work menial, pointless. Oh, it was a joke. Of course I love Pessy. Come on now. <laughs> it was a joke. Nope. Nope. Roll it back. Give me the Roll clip. Oh, he hates no. Pessy. Oh, no. No, I didn't say I did. I said everybody does. <laughs> well, you're everybody. <laughs> Labor. But in this, uh, in this environment, right, there are people out there that their basic needs are taken care of. They've got food. They've got water, right? They've got doctors. They've got medics, right? Homeless people what? have houses. What? <laughs> like, yeah, because that guy that OD'd totally got treated by a doctor the other day in the chats. They didn't <laughs> dump him on the outside of the borders like a piece of meat. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and the doctors will work for free. The doctors will give up their lavish uh, yacht sailing lifestyles to work for free in Chaz, won't they? Yeah, I'm sure they'll totally spend seven years of their life getting a menial doctor degree <laughs> just to come over there and work for the Chaz <laughs> with all that debt that they've accrued the whole time. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be perfect if eventually the UN comes in and then like uh, Doctors Without Borders flies into Chaz? <laughs> we see the images like of like poor people lining up outside the clinic and they're just putting bandages around their faces and stuff. You know? Oh, they'd that make a amazing. big spectacle out of it too. It would be a whole, the whole thing. Maybe you head into like brand new bowls with soup and. Oh, It'd be yeah. like a big, big televised deal. Yeah, look at this. The citizens of Chaz get better health care from the UN than they do from the United States government. Huh? Huh? We told you so. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. Why do you don't like the UN? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Racist. <laughs> Their little blue helmets bobbing around Seattle. It'd be amazing. Need, right? If you've got all of your basic needs met, and it's like those basic needs being met. Well, they don't have their basic needs met because we put up the banner from Chaz the other day where they were asking for donations of things like pants. They don't have pants, apparently. Uh, cigarettes and lighters. Uh, baby lotion. They needed uh, lanterns and flashlights. So, you know, the basic needs aren't necessarily being met, Tom. I think that's a bit of a...
bit of a well yeah and the city is supplying you with your electricity wholesale so if that stops happening yeah. how is this gonna work for you <laughs> depends on the survival of this autonomous area in seattle you're going to uh, you have a vested interest in maintaining the autonomous zone in seattle and therefore it's a feedback loop okay that's the thing is you can detach i'm gonna say if i own a business in the autonomous zone, I don't have a vested interest in maintaining the <laughs> autonomous zone because my business is making zero dollars and zero cents a month right now. Yeah, they're not paying for anything. They're not in there like you know spending uh, money on lavish dinners and buying Gucci handbags and shit. Yeah, because I looked at that zone. area. There's like a little downtown section there. There's like bars and restaurants yeah. in there, and I don't think they're making any money right now. No, in fact, <laughs> in fact, it'll be let's raid the fridge so we can feed the homeless people. Let's see, let's see what they got in their freezer. From the society that you live in, go somewhere else, have everything taken care of, and all you need to do is take care of others. And, and we could get together every night and drum circle and, and sing Kumbaya with our hands held together. And it'll be so nice and so wonderful. But have and a... no one will ever be afraid <laughs> or sad again. <clears throat> right. It's, it reminds me of that scene from The Network, Tom. Where it's like, you know, eventually everybody will have a stake. One vast ecumenical holding company. Uh, all all needs satisfied, all anxieties tranquilized. You know, you ne- you'll never have to want for anything ever again. Like the the, the globalist wet dream. Like the, no fear, no no ups, no downs. Just become a productive, just be a producer of things and then you'll be safe. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll keep you Actually, safe, we'll keep you happy. If, you've, if, you've, if any of you cool people in here, I know none of you are, but <laughs> We're all if any of you cool people have followed the major Tom Lore, you would know that if you submit yourself to the AI known as the Basilisk, uh, yes. that eventually it will fulfill all of our needs. But you have to uh, actively work towards it or it will torture you <laughs> for eternity <laughs> until you do. So make sure that you do that. <laughs> I, I love the logic here, too. Like, what if we had a state where everybody was taken care of and all you have to do is take care of everybody else it's like okay so what are we talking about here we all work for the state we all pay 100 percent tax in order to pay the wage of the next guy like you know what i mean eventually at some point there's somebody somebody has to be at the end of the line getting nothing in a system like that there's a reason why um the soviet union still produced padlocks and door locks because what ended up happening was that everyone just assumed at the end of the day that all of the things at their workplace technically belonged to them anyway, and they ended up stealing them. Correct. <laughs> Correct. 100%. Um, <clears throat> with that, we might call it a night for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, Major Tom, the big empty on DLive. How do we follow you? How do we watch your show? Where the fuck are you at, brother? Uh, well, ev- my show is every Sunday at noon Eastern. Uh, I don't know. Kitty threw the link out. Let me pull one up real quick for you because it's, it's very confusing. It's much easier. Uh, for you to click the link than than me explain to you how to how to type in my channel name every time because <laughs> I'm kind of an asshole about it, but that's okay. So <laughs> let me get you a link for that and I'll put it in the chat. Uh, but also make sure uh, that uh, Friday and Saturday nights, yes, uh, on the Joy of Pessy, I co-host with Pessy when we watch uh, terrible old movies, it's great. And old uh, educational VHS films. So you're gonna want to catch that too. Uh, I'm sure we'll have Boogie on too because Boogie has done uh, some uh, the. Uh, friday night educational vhs films and they are hilarious it's always so i'm a good sure time. we'll have him back on it's always a good time the smens crew ladies and gentlemen the original smens boys uh there he is major tom co-host of the joy of pessy program host of the big empty on d live thank you so much for joining us on the partner show brother 
I appreciate oh, it. Oh, well, thank you for having me for your partner celebration. I'm glad I could be a part of it. No, absolute legend. And you're welcome back anytime. Thanks so much, Tom. And uh, yeah, there he goes. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Major Tom joining us on this special edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. And that'll do us for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. I, an absolute pleasure. We may partner, baby. Uh, don't forget, as Tom mentioned, at 9 o'clock tonight, you've got Irrational Times coming up. And then at 10, you've got everybody's favourite lover of French women, Mersh, <clears throat> coming on at 10 p.m. Uh, and then at midnight, I don't know what happens after midnight. And I don't want to know what happens after midnight. But I'll be back tomorrow night at 6 p.m. after Daywave with Lois Ropez. Lois Ropez? Lois Ropez. Royce Lopez at 10 a.m. JJ Stoner, follow JJ at midday. Uh, Revenge of the Sis at 4, and then we'll be back tomorrow night at 6 p.m. to do it all over again, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to follow our friends, Mr. America, The Beard of Truth, Why Censored, Kimmy, UK, Neil, Winning TV, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, everybody, for the contributions tonight on DLive. Thank you for celebrating. Uh, thank you, Woodchip TV. Thank you, Winning TV. Thank you, The Iceman. Thank you for joining us tonight for the show that we made partner, and I didn't even know until we started going. So absolutely fucking sensational. Absolutely pumped. Thank you. And a big tip of the hat to DLive as well for coming through with the goods, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, don't forget, you've also got Mr. America, the Beard of Truth, Joy of Pessy, Spent D in the chat. Frozen Asian's back this week, I think, on Sunday. So give Frozen Asian a follow for the Sunday night shit show. And like I said, I'll be back at 6 p.m. tomorrow. So until then, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.